0: Every Friday night after the League of Ireland games the place for you to come to give your opinion, to vent. And there's a little button down on the left hand corner where you can say that you want to all.
1: Catch League of Ireland
2: late night, Friday nights at 10 on Twitter Spaces. Follow at Off the Ball.
3: OTB AM. With Gillette, put your best face forward with our new and improved razors. It's half past seven, it's Friday morning. You're very welcome along to OTB AM. We're with you until 10 this morning. We've loads of sport to get into, Owen. How are you getting on? Good, Adrian. What's the crack? Oh, good. Uh, it's grim, really, this morning, and uh, the bad news continues from Ukraine. We we'll, um, wanted to talk a little bit about it off the top um, because it's so closely associated with sport, and the uh, UK- Ukraine president has been up front of the media this morning to say that 137 people, civilians and um, military, have been killed in the first day of the Russian attack Um and indications now, and certainly those informed sources from there, uh, saying that Russia's aim here is to try and, uh, try and overthrow the Ukraine government. So that'll give you a bit of an indication as to where this thing is headed. Uh, Ukraine saying multiple more bombings um, again overnight. Uh, your everybody's social media feed is is full of very grim video and reports coming from the country. It's um, yeah, it's hard to it's hard to watch on. And uh, you couldn't imagine what it would be like to actually be in the middle of it. Um, and that desperate sound, we've, we've heard it all uh, on our news reports as well, that desperate sound of the air raids ringing out across the cities and um, around the countryside, around Ukraine as well. We really uh, have them in our thoughts this morning. It's, it must be very tough. And the world watches on and we're seemingly helpless, um, I guess, to do anything. It's the first major ground war uh, in Europe in decades. helpless and still. Um, and for anyone who says that sport and politics Is no place in the same room And I absolutely no doubt that we're going to get Umpteen comments on the back of this saying that uh, Stick to the sport lads um, But I think we just have to Raise the topic this morning, don't look away now Because like sport has paid A big part in getting us to the position that we're at At the minute, you can't disconnect sport and uh, facilitating the actions of a regime who uh, have been on the record say that they thought that Lenin made a big mistake in giving away, as they put it, uh, disconnecting that old Russian network of independent now sovereign countries um, in the region and you can't disconnect uh, the role that sport has played in making this uh, the events of this week come to a head and sport very much it feels like the Trojan horse I think in a lot of ways of um, despots like Putin um there isn't any amount of, well, we'll just go out and play there because it'll help grow the game of golf in a country of 40 million people and 14 golf courses in Saudi Arabia. Like, we'll help grow the game of golf feels a little bit trite in that context. And, like, it's a very similar dynamic that's happening in in other countries, and, and Russia is certainly a case of that. Um 35 million people you know and you can't wash that away it's just that, that sort of rhetoric any longer we can't stand for as a sporting public I think we have to draw a line in the sand I think when you look at the likes of Newcastle you look at the likes of Chelsea you now. Manchester United have an association with Aeroflot Schalke if you do a bit of research and we'll talk about it a little bit later on we one of the first clubs if not the first to be sponsored by Gazprom for example uh, the TV companies who are obliged to show Gazprom sponsorships during their Champions League matches we can't look away now we have to question ourselves um, we have to face up to it do we continue to turn a blind eye to sports washing or do we demand a bit better and it isn't someone else's problem that's the reality for us now our own football association are part of an organisation uh, as part of the wider football family that we're constantly told about we've facilitated cosy relationships between Russia Russia and the football family around Europe. And I know that the FAI CEO, Jonathan Hill, um, posted a tweet yesterday. Never mind matches to be played or not, all our thoughts at the moment are with our football friends in in the Ukraine, Russia, and across Europe, and the wider UEFA family. Be safe, please, he said. I've absolutely no doubt that it was well-intentioned, but a little bit tone-deaf, since deleted. And I do think that we can't turn our eyes away from what's going on at the minute. We can't turn our eyes away from... Our responsibility to those people who are under attack, and UEFA saying yesterday, Owen, I don't know if you saw it. I'm sure you were following events. Um, they will closely monitor Gazprom's uh, sponsorship of the Champions League, and it just feels like we're closely monitoring a horse that has long since bolted.
4: Mm. Like I mean, it's if, if like it's a, nobody needs to be told that it's an unbelievably grim situation, but it is. Uh, borderline hilarious the response from some of the, the sports bodies in terms of how predictable it was like I mean it's like we're, we're safe in the numbers that we have today lads because everybody's coming out condemning this sort of stuff we are not going to be impacted one little bit if you come out today and in fact uh, sitting on the hands for as long as possible is going to be an interesting tactic over the next little while because there's no doubt that football in particular is going to try and sit in its hands for a little while so that sweet sweet Gazprom cash may come flowing in eventually one day so that, that's the ideal situation for football make no bones about it I mean they will say that you know the lives of the Ukrainians is, is what's paramount to them it's not it's the, it's the, the cash that, that comes in from Gazprom as a huge sponsor over the next little while and that's just football. For me, the most hilarious response yesterday was was the IOC uh, coming out, obviously, uh, the, the great lads in terms of the Olympic movement. Uh, they came out, Thomas Bach uh, was part of a statement and they came out to strongly condemn the breach of the Olympic truce yesterday. So, I mean... I I can't believe a country has invaded another one, uh, given that the Olympic truce uh, exists. Uh, What the hell the Olympic truce is, we might come back to that in just a second. But they said, following recent events, the IOC is deeply concerned about the safety of the Olympic community in Ukraine. It has established a task force to closely monitor the situation and to coordinate humanitarian assistance to members of the Olympic community in Ukraine where possible. So... They're obviously uh, shocked and appalled by what's going on at the moment. This news breaking this week that Russia may not be a a sound bunch of lads. Let's forget the fact that 2008, an Olympic Games year, was the year Russia invaded Georgia. Let's forget 2014, a a Winter Games year, also in, in Russia, where... Russia, Annex, Crimea. This, this is all new news for, for the IOC. The Olympic truce was only broken yesterday, of course, and that forced them to come out and act. Uh, as I mentioned, Thomas Bach is part of the statement. He, uh, and I quote from their statement, uh, he re- reiterates his call for peace, which he expressed in his speeches at the opening ceremony and closing ceremony of the Olympic Games, held in China just a, a couple of weeks ago. At the opening ceremony, he called on the political authorities, observe your commitment to this Olympic truce. Give peace a chance at the closing ceremony in China. Uh, he asked the political leaders to be inspired by the example of solidarity and peace set by the Olympic athletes. And if you're not aware that Olympic Games took place in China, which was very funny indeed that that he'd be coming out saying this sort of stuff now because three days before the closing ceremony. And we did cover this on Monday's show. Uh, we had the Beijing spokesperson, Yan Jirong, dismissing claims of human rights abuses. First off, she called them lies. Uh, and then she also said, what I want to say is that there is only one China in the world. Taiwan is an indivisible part of China and this is well-recognized international principle and well-recognized in the international community. And just a quick reminder of what one China is. The one China principle is a position held by China that there is only one sovereign state under the name China and Taiwan is a part of China as opposed to the idea that there are two states. I mean, that's the first time I've heard something like that, that one state believes that another state is part of it by some God-given right. So I'm sure time will judge uh, the the Olympics very, very well in terms of their dealing with China over the last little while and that no other Olympic truces are going to be broken. Yeah. Um, there is a definition online, by the way, if anybody's interested on olympics.com of what the Olympics truce is, and it goes all the way back to ancient Greece. So, on, uh, well, what
3: is it? Is it a, yeah, can like you give three, us a cliff note a two of two it? Yeah. A two
4: paragraphs, so... The tradition of the Olympic Truce uh, was established in ancient Greece in the 9th century BC through the signing of a treaty between three kings Ephetos of Elis, Cleosthenes of Pisa and Lycurgus of Sparta to allow safe participation in the ancient Olympic Games for all athletes and spectators from these Greek city-states, which were otherwise almost constantly engaged in conflict with each other. Taking into account the new political reality in which sport and the Olympic Games exist, the IOC decided to revive the concept of the Olympic truce for the Olympic Games with a view to protecting as far as possible the interests of the athletes and sport in general and to harness the power of sport to promote peace, dialogue and and reconciliation more broadly. Um, that, uh, that really hits home this morning read those out to Ukrainians they would feel a hell of a lot better about themselves this morning if they knew that that exists because that will come and save you guys
3: it's bunkum and and uh, like entirely out of touch which is really the theme I think of everything this morning and like there are those associations that we've mentioned like the various clubs Manchester United and Airflot much more directly Newcastle United uh, much more directly Chelsea Football Club over the last 20 odd years and like I just think that there is it's a moment for us all to fans of those clubs to don't turn away now like now is not the time to say the thing that we've said for the last 50 or 20 years oh look at you know we just got to we got to grin and bear this this is the new reality um, and, and we can't look away now and like I point to the fact as well that Overnight, uh, I've read this morning Saudi Arabia, um, obviously with their Newcastle United links and other multiple other investments in world sport and particularly in golf, um, who last night, along with the United Arab Emirates, have dropped bombs on Yemen. And like, so this is something that is a very real thing and that it's not something that we can really any longer um, turn her back on it, and uh, I—the Olympic aspect of it—is interesting to me in the sense that I maybe feel that at some point or another, we all felt guided by this Olympic, not necessarily the Olympic crews, because I'm not going to lie to you—it's the first time I've ever heard those uh, those words combined. But the Olympic spirit or an Olympic connection as some sort of an a, a ethereal governing governance, right? That like it was a touchstone for sport to know that everything was right with the world when and when was, when they, and was they was. fed off each other but this is this, this is me projecting I think the world that a lot of the people who govern sport operate in you know they, it's the world in which they can sit down with companies like Gazprom <laughs> yes, exactly. and sign along the dotted line and then leave and go well we're doing right by world sport here we're better off inside the tent <laughs> uh, pissing out than the other way around it's and it's going to allow us to speak to the people of Saudi Arabia in a way that we will help bring freedom 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 to them and I think that um, actually what's clear to me now is that individual sports can't and actually can't any longer be allowed to govern themselves because when the men in trench coats turn up the door with big bags of catch they just can't help themselves they just can't say no. And there probably needs to be some sort of an overarching uh, governing body that is totally detached from any w- one of the organisations and certainly detached from any profit-making aspect to it who need to be the watchdog. It's There needs to be something. To, UEFA needs to be able to answer to somebody. FIFA needs to be able to answer to somebody. Uh, world Golf needs to be able to answer to somebody. This is the new world order that we live in that wasn't... Uh, I say it wasn't, there's probably a caveat there somewhere, but it certainly wasn't as necessary 20, 30, 50 years ago. But in 2022, is it not blindingly obvious that sport, individual sports, bodies and associations or unions can't be trusted to govern themselves?
4: Look, I mean, it's a, it's an interesting point. I mean, it's it has been like what what's going to happen next is going to be very interesting. I, I don't think what you say, unfortunately, is ever going to uh, manifest itself in reality. I think you're you uh, who who instigates that, who who is the the first person to say we would like to relinquish all of our power. Um, but it's it's true what you say. Like there there is definitely this sense of uh, you know we are holier than thou in terms mm-hmm. of uh, like the Olympic movement or or even to a certain degree football and uh, sport as a power for good is is a very interesting concept and uh, they feel that they get a free pass in some yeah. things as, as a result of that so like I mean there, there are just the thing is it's so easy to come up with examples of times when all this was just turned a blind eye to and so many of them are in recent years and you can throw the obvious uh, examples out regarding Russia the World Cup in 2018 mm-hmm. Sochi in, in, in 2014 this year's World Cup this year's uh, Winter Games it, it does feel that more and more uh, th- these uh, these events are, are tinged which is an element of of, of a grim blanket really and, and that's what we're dealing with whether or not sport will do anything to, to act I'm not convinced yesterday was a very easy bandwagon to hop on wasn't
3: mm-hmm. it yeah uh, and ultimately you're probably right but we just couldn't start the show this morning without we didn't want to look away this morning is the point and we also wanted to show you this, it was Associated Press Global Sports reporter Rob Harris has been doing brilliant work um, in his conversations with particularly uh, the FIFA President Gianni Infantino over the last couple of weeks Um, here he was yesterday it was a a FIFA press conference Uh, Rob Harris asking Infantino if he's going to retain the Order of Friendship medal which was given to him by Vladimir Putin um, in the last few years and if he had any regrets about praising uh, Putin so strongly in recent years
4: Will you be retaining your order of friendship medal uh, that you received from Vladimir Putin after the 2018 World Cup? And in light of all the developments that have happened now, do you have any regrets about the 2018 World Cup, your glowing endorsements of Vladimir Putin and his conduct? Because they had already annexed Crimea at that point in 2014.
5: And there have been concerns raised, particularly in the British government, that... Sport does help to legitimize the actions of a
6: country like Russia when it acts aggressively
5: towards a neighbor. So,
0: will you be reflecting on perhaps the role of sport and how it can help to embolden a leader like Vladimir Putin in taking action as it has done aggressively in Ukraine?
6: Thanks, uh, thanks Rob. Uh, we are constantly um, reflecting on, uh, on the role of sport um, in particular, the role of sport in trying to, uh, to bring people together in a, in a peaceful environment, even people, countries who don't uh, uh, have relations with each other or who are in a conflict with each other. Um, this is uh, a constant in our thinking. And uh, I firmly believe in, uh, uh, in sport to bring people together. Football is the people's sport as well. It's not about individuals, it's about all the people from all over the world. And honestly, today, right today, if we had this press conference yesterday, maybe I would say something else, I don't know, but today my thoughts are really on uh, all the people who are affected by this um, escalating conflict and uh and nothing else,
3: yes, the fifth president Jenny and under questioning there from. Uh, Rob Harris and an interesting response in and of itself we'll keep you across events as they happen during the day if you have any thoughts um, about any of that stuff we've been discussing please do fire them into us over the course of the morning we'll uh, bring them to our audience the other thing that we wanted to briefly mention we've run out of Gara by the way coming up very shortly we're going to talk to him about the uh, game at the weekend his own experiences against Italy the uh, possible team news by the way that's um, been delivered as tends to be sort of par for the course now really under under Andy Farrell that Mm. teams tend to be revealed fairly accurately to the media
4: we should 20, say this is still it's, it's possible. still possible. Yeah, possible. But n- they're generally
3: fairly accurate. Oh, yeah. They are like we generally put them together on a Friday morning and then make hay with the responses out him over the afternoon post the team being named. But this is what it looks like. This is according to Jerry Thornley and it's pretty much in the Irish Times. It's pretty much um, reflected in most of the other media outlets as well, uh, online uh, and in the papers across the morning. Um, back three, Hugo Keenan, uh, Mac Hanton and James Lowe. There were some uh, reports that uh, Michael Lowry might get the 15 shirt, in some of the other media outlets today. Gary Ringrose and Robbie Henshaw uh, back in the midfield. Carberry and Gibson Park again in uh, out half fly uh, out half uh, scrum half. Uh, Porter Sheehan and Furlong across the front. Um, the Sheehan one being somewhat enforced. Uh, Ty Byrne and James Ryan, obviously somewhat enforced there as well in the second row. And Peter Romani's into the back row alongside Josh van der and, uh and Kellen Doris. So it is interesting. Uh, the Lowry one, um, according to uh, Jerry Thornley, at least Lowry isn't even on the bench. And according to some outlets, he's going to start full-back. So that's the one that probably just we'll need to wait and see. But the Carberry one is obviously the headline news out of it. Um, and... Bit of a no brainer. Like, I'm sure Johnny Sexton's been knocking the door down to say, put me in, coach. Uh, we've got England in a couple of weeks. So I need to get a bit of Matt Sharpness. But, like, I think it was the thing that had to happen.
4: Well, I think we all presumed Sexton was going to start, didn't we? Because he was up for media earlier this week. Does it change because you're captain?
3: Seamus Coleman. Asked somebody to give Seamus Coleman a shout. Yeah.
4: And I guess he was in the, the captain mold as don't well. I think
3: so. He, so. I think. Uh, if I think, well, I presume Andy Farrell has been running drills this week with uh, Carberry at, at 10 if that's the way he's going I presume that you'd give him the week to let himself settle into it in a way that maybe he didn't have last week I know it was a point that was made earlier a good point that was made earlier on the show um, earlier in the week but yeah I don't know if that's got any impact on it I think uh, it'll be interesting to see for him from the off and like the thing is it'll be a different we'll put it to Ronan in a little bit but like different dynamic for him Against a team like Italy, like, Cheesy must be licking his chops. I know he was talking to you lads, was it last Monday or Tuesday, whenever it was, last week. Yeah. And he was saying that he was like relishing the game against France and all that, but I mean, it's a different beast when you're going it against Italy and you would be expect Ireland to be dominant across the park. Like, as an out-half, you must be thinking, oh, yeah, let me add it.
4: It's a, And it's a strong pack in front of them as well, so Carby will really get a chance to show what he can do. It's just a strong team, I think. It's a team that is picked as much for the here and now as it is for, for development. Of course, if you have someone like Larry or Hume coming in and getting meaningful minutes, and whoever's on the bench is going to get meaningful minutes, especially in that back line if, if Ireland have the bonus point early. So there is an element of that, but at the same time you look at Peter O'Mahony coming in, you look at, at Henshaw coming in, it's a it's a it's a team that's trying to get its seasoned veterans in inverted commas maybe you could call them a veteran not so much Henshaw oh, veteran, get yeah. get them up to that sort of level before them. you know I think that's probably what the, the team she tells us as opposed to uh, one eye on what may happen at the end of next year
3: yeah I mean uh, look fair enough it'll be interesting Hanson and Lowe in the in the same team like how exciting is that
4: like very exciting and I think that maybe when, when things kind of play out over the next while they could be fighting for one shirt but maybe not maybe maybe we read too much into who's a left winger who's a who's a right winger and they can maybe both step off both feet and it's totally fine and yeah, yeah.
3: you want somebody like a Conway though who's I get geez, to be fair to Conway I mean when we reflect on Andrew Conway's career it's, he's Crept under the radar with about 115 caps and a load of tries. And like, a, he gets he gets nearly beaten down by the fact that he's such a solid performer. And that's not to do an injustice to the fact that he's like, he's a good attacking threat. He's really strong in defence. He's a very different player from the other two lads. It'd be hard to see that. Like, I think that every coach on some level needs an Andrew Conway in the team. <laughs> it sounds like I'm being critical of him. I'm not. He's created an incredible career. Um, her, I, you um, can see, even when Earls comes back I mean
4: what you, he'll definitely be in with a shout so like, what, what I wonder is that I I, I, I think in, on the wings and um, maybe to a certain degree elsewhere in the back line you're just at a greater risk of getting dropped for one of these games and there is more room for experimentation in these positions whereas in the pack for example there's obviously set piece there's uh, the, there's an element of the, the tried and trusted
3: yeah uh, Alright, it's 7.50, it's Friday morning you're watching O'TBAM. we're with you until 10 this morning and we're brought to you by Gillette, good morning start with Gillette, put your best face forward with the new and improved Razors, here's what's happening uh, over the course of the morning for you uh, Ronan Agar is standing by, live on the line we'll talk to him in just a moment and get the uh, considered thoughts on uh, what we think is going to be the team for this weekend uh, Professor T- Simon Chadwick is going to try and make sense of the conversation we were having a little bit earlier about uh, events in Ukraine and the Russian attack and uh, the geopolitics versus economics sport aspect of it, a very informed voice and uh, really looking forward to getting his thoughts in about 20 minutes or thereabouts. RG, uh, quick picks at half past eight this morning. The table, I think, makes fairly grim reading for many of us today and we'll, uh, we'll get our thoughts on what we think are going to happen from the big games this weekend uh, as well. Alan Quinlan, more preview of the game of the weekend, ten to nine this morning. Live crappy quiz, myself versus Nathan versus Ger at ten past nine and then uh, more of that Ireland-Italy preview uh, to come your way from I think it was Fiona Hayes and Liam Toland on with Nathan last night so that'll be at half past nine this morning so that's where we're at a very good morning to you wherever it is you're at and do please there are plenty of comments coming into to us about uh, the conversation we were having earlier and do please keep them coming in about that or anything else that might be on your mind but uh, in the meantime Ron and good morning to you Hi Adrian
2: how are you good morning good
3: morning to you yeah all good um, the poss-
2: yeah, possible weather has got better the first few days of summer it feels like it, so. has but- it <laughs> yeah.
3: It's What's, it's like twenty five degrees down there, is it? And sort
2: of your no, t-shirt no, no, no. Um, you t shirt weather. You can can be happy with twelve or thirteen degrees at the minute, can't you? Any, degree,
3: any degrees. It feels like it's been we've been in storm something or other here for but the last three or four weeks. It's absolutely cat.
2: Uh, yeah, yeah. Well we got a bit of that last week, but this week now Tuesday was probably the first day where it doesn't get dark so uh, maybe quarter to seven, and uh, sun sunshine in the morning makes a big difference.
3: Yeah, yeah, we haven't seen the sunshine here in ages Ronan so sure send us a bit of it, we could do with it um, Possible team named across some of the papers today Some debate about whether it'll be, I know Jerry Thornley of the Irish Times says Hugo Keenan at full back Some debate about whether might, there might actually be Michael Lowry But the big uh, talking point all week the last 10 days Has been whether, we were chatting about it last uh, Friday morning About whether Joey Carberry would get the nod at Italy And you were talking about the building blocks last week And it looks like he's going to keep rolling them out
2: yeah, I, absolutely. I think um, the most important thing here was that it was going to be, um after the French game, like with the Italian game, I think it's the one game in the Six Nations where people, where as a coach or um, as as a management group, you you can experiment to a certain extent. And with the other opposition, you can't do that. So this is the game where uh, I think you can make widespread changes. Um, Whether you do that or not is up for debate, but um, I think what happens, and I suppose in Camp Ireland at the minute is that you have serious competition for places. So yeah, you want to probably keep a bit of stability, but also I think what you're looking to achieve is uh, when you have that, I suppose, uh, without doing much, uh, people fighting for the jersey, without the coaching group really... Uh, realising that and that's what's happening so uh, for me I was looking at it you could play a a number of different combinations a number of different teams but I think the top 40 players who play uh, or get an opportunity to play this weekend will be very performing because of the environment they've created so um, I mean probably looking at the uh, my initial reaction from looking at the teams or potential teams was that uh, I expected a lot more changes but that doesn't seem to be the case but um, you know I think um, like yeah I've read articles and I've read debate about winning the Six Nations but like winning the Grand Slam is 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 probably what the big thing is I I think uh, you know if you if you win four or five games and you have developed a lot of talent and found out a lot more about people that you didn't know before the Six Nations that is a far better situation with a World Cup in mind than playing your strongest 13, 14, 15 every game for five games. And then uh, it seems to be very short-term view. Uh, but Six Nations is a fantastic competition. But I think where we are with probably previous disappointments in World Cups is that uh, the World Cup seems to be the focus and it probably is... Uh, easy to explain that in the number 10 position if there was a World Cup final tomorrow Johnny Sexton would start it isn't it's 18 months away uh, Joey Carby did well in France uh, Johnny Sexton isn't really going to get better uh, and can Joey Carby get better to an extent that you have two viable options in that position tight head prop uh, out half um, who's the second 15 at the minute uh, there's huge competition in the centre and the wings and the yeah. back row but I suppose you could probably, I probably thought there might be one back row kept and, and have a look at two others. Maybe one second row, have a look at. Uh, but it seems to be that they're probably going for uh, a lot of experience with one or two changes. Yeah,
3: and Henderson, some of them are forced, obviously, and Henderson seems to have COVID as well. And that rules him out. Maybe another couple of changes off the back of it. What... um from what you know of Sexton is he knocking on the door this week going listen I want to, we've England in two weeks I want to get in I need the game time or is he just understanding of all those points that you've just made
2: No that's it it couldn't be further apart I suppose I was just thinking about it if, they, if there was so I was Johnny Sexton, the player, and now I have an understanding of what what the management side of, side of the game looks like. It could not be pulled apart in in your uh, in your mental mindset. You know, the competitor as a player is like you don't care about anyone else by yourself. You do care about the team because you're the captain, but you're a vicious competitor, and you want you want to play every game. This thing about building for the World Cup is is nonsense in your head because for you, it's. If if I'm the best player in the country, I deserve to play at the weekend, and that and that's that's perfectly acceptable from the player's point of view. What you're looking to do from a coaching group or or a, a, um, a leadership point of view is that if, for example, uh, if, you know uh, Furlong, Doris, um, and Sexton gets sick, or injured, or stuck in a lift the morning of of a World Cup quarter final, what do you do? Mm. So there's no point in finding out uh, on that on that day. Uh, and the way you, I suppose you upskill other players that aren't as good as your world-class players is they get better by more minutes they've played and getting more competition for places. And in the certain case with Johnny, I suppose it's just it's just the age profile. What will he be like in eighteen months' time? Yeah.
4: So, so it does seem that the team picked this weekend is is kind of more about than now then like I mean you can argue Carberry either way but if the team that we're seeing is, is going to be the one announced like it is the likes of Henshaw coming in Peter O'Mahony coming in uh, th- that is quite a short term look as if it- Italy and, and getting those four wins is all important
2: yeah but I suppose like if I think if the, the like the, the, if you played uh a so-called A against B game in in Carton House uh, tomorrow between the the forty best players in Ireland, uh, it would be a very interesting exercise because you wouldn't be too sure sure how it goes. You'd obviously expect a team with with Furlong and Sexton and Doris and uh, uh, Keen and 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 uh, and that to, to win and James Ryan and those kind of people. But I think uh, sometimes we underestimate. Uh, the difference between uh are we overestimate the difference between uh the starters and uh, and the potential replacements there sometimes there's very little, little between yeah. it uh, and you're better judged by being in camp be able to give that that opinion like we don't know where Hume's limit is we don't know where Balakum's limit is we don't know where Lowry's limit is we don't know uh for example where um Coombs' limit is, so all these people um, I suppose need to be seen, but I I, I thought the game to be seen a bit of me would say, well, will they get a real test against Italy because I thought the example with Hansen in the Wales game was brilliant because uh, you mean Wales are a proven, established test nation, I'm not saying Italy aren't, but at the minute it's 2015 is the last time they've won a game, so you would like to think, and I know sport is hugely unpredictable. That, uh, in this regard, uh, you're not really fretting over results. You're more interested in fretting over over um, a performance. And what we saw, actually, with the benefit of hindsight from the Stade de France, was uh, it's easy to understand Farrell when he's talking about the inaccuracies because obviously when you're standing up uh, behind the goalpost in a in a in an average seat, uh, you miss a lot. So when you review the game, you could see what he was saying, that he's frustrated, I think, with, I suppose, skill set errors. There was one or two structure errors in attack where people were missing their roles, but I think from a skill set point of view, um, you mean passing, hitting shoulders as opposed to out in front, one or two uh, average kicks, uh, one or two, I suppose, knock-ons. Like, that's five or six releases of pressure for France all of a sudden, which, Uh, When Ireland, with their capacity to play very accurately, um, they'd be disappointed with that. Can you find out that that limit that you mentioned there about
4: Lowry and Hume in Carton House or does it need to be starting a Six Nations game? And and if so, is there something of an opportunity missed in this campaign if those players don't get starts?
2: No, I don't know, because obviously, too, uh, you know, I think there's... There's a, I suppose, when you when you create uh, values and bonds and relationships in your squad, you, you need to have a certain uh, standard to 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 probably get the opportunity to, to wear that jersey. We're not aware on the outside what what they are, so there's huge competition to play for Ireland, and you probably have to be of a certain quality to get to get that jersey. I think you mean I've played with a lot of guys that were brilliant trainers but couldn't transfer it to game day so you know you can't really see you get a good indication in training but the ultimate is um, what happens for the 80 minutes because you've got to remember too a lot of guys uh, thrive on contact contact scenarios are very limited uh, Monday to Friday because of you have to manage your players and the contact law but guys excel in the game for example Hume you know, I think would be better in a game than in training because for me, he he likes to take people on. Uh, but that safety net, is, from a defending point of view, is that it becomes two-handed touch in training or, or, or kind of body in front. So you don't really see, see the best of him. You know, Andrew Trimble would be an example of that. He's better in a game than he is in training because his physicality is probably better than his skill set. Uh, you mean know, it's the same with... Uh, Bundiaki it's the same with Henshaw yeah
3: when we were talking last week Ronan about uh, Carberry and maybe areas that he needed to improve you were talking about stuff like uh, square at the line second touch and attack and pushing teams around a bit more from the boot like he's got a big possibility this weekend to uh, tick a lot of boxes in that front and come out of it with great confidence and suddenly look very at home in that team
2: yeah, he has, but it's always a work in progress. To years you know. I think uh, it was fantastic. I suppose for his uh, his mental confidence, his performance in France, because considering the start, it could have gone it could have gone ugly. And then, I suppose, considering what they did, Ireland were probably disappointed at times that they didn't finish. Uh, maybe as well as they'd like to have finished uh, from joy's individual point of view he looked very good in a lot of lot of the components but I think I probably we were probably uh, what's the, we were probably generous in our appraisal and the fact that we understood he had very little rugby in, in the bank I think he'll be judged a little bit more harshly going forward and that's rightly so because of, of, of I suppose we the potential the guy offers and uh, h- how good he can be but that's that's step one. I think what would be great from his point of view, if he's getting the minimum, uh, you mean know, of 50 minutes, 30 minutes every test match for the next 10, 10 tests? Because, um, you know, I, I suppose the interesting thing for, for this uh, game would be uh, is it Carty on the bench? You presume it is Carty on the bench, but you look at a few potential teams, it could be Johnny Sexton on the bench. So, mm.
6: um,
2: what would you do? Um, I would tell Johnny to take a rest. You had to think about that. <laughs> yeah. That's an awkward yeah, conversation. I know, a, I know what a competitor is. You yeah. know? So that's what, like, that's that's you want know, I mean, that's that's what you want. told totally your top players, you want them ratty, which you want them uh, very physical, and you want them. Uh, frustrated if you're making a decision but there's only one boss who can make that call and that's what you've got to do yes you, you know it I mean? keeps coming back to what's best for the for the group and in this game yeah you know the Johnny Sexton needs minutes with his with his hamstring but there's not a grand slam at stake this season there's uh, uh, obviously there's important you keep winning but i think this weekend you win irrespective of your personnel
3: we're not going to talk about like predictions around this game everybody just accepts you mentioned yourself about how long it's been since Italy won a match and it was more competitive in your day but what we and like obviously the nature of the amount of changes now we're talking about because it's Italy what were the like did complacency come up when you were in camp during the week in the lead into an Italy game was that something that was overtly spoken about or how yeah how did you talk that No it, it wasn't
2: because you know I think it's from what it's it's probably since 2015, isn't it, that they ha- haven't won the game. I don't think they ever lost Italy, but no, you um, didn't. Some of the teams, uh, you know, I mean, wash my hand. But I was, I think, just retired. Maybe when we'd one struggle against them. Um But um no, there's none of that. The great thing, as you say, I know Ireland didn't win instead to France, but there was a lot of positives to take out of that. I would say. There was a disappointment for 48 hours, and then uh, a realization of the missed opportunities. Because when you go through the video uh, in a bit of detail, you could see there'd be one or uh, not one or two, five or six uh, elements that they'll be disappointed with. But I think uh, what they'll be made aware of are their learnings, as we call it nowadays. We do if you did this, this, and this, that's how we get the performance that gives you the the, the desired result instead of France. And that's not exaggerating. It was. Based on f- small margins in the end. Uh, so I think what they have now in, in Carton House, they, they have a competitive environment. When you have a competitive environment, it just ups the standard and it ups the competition among the players, and all of a sudden the thing is humming, and that's when injuries aren't noticed. People uh, of I suppose with huge credit in the bank, missing aren't noticed. The show goes on; it rolls, and you have momentum, and that's what you want when you're when you're I suppose, in charge of the group. Yeah,
3: the uh, you were talking last year about the, it was a, sm- a small chance at some point over the last few years that you were going to get involved with Italy, or you were asked at least. Anyway, um, it feels like a giant bullet dodged. Obviously, now, it, um, what about Italy's future in the tournament? Like, is it? Never a stronger case, I suppose, to be looking at some of the nations that might warrant a place if there was some sort of a relegation situation or what are your thoughts on that now?
2: Yeah, I think that's, you know, I, I'll probably the the idea of bringing in a superpower of, you know, South Africa, New Zealand or or Australia, it's... It's uh, Six Nations is, has huge history and huge pride in what it stands for. You know I mean that for me, you have to rename that it isn't the Six Nations with South Africa or New Zealand or Australia. It just it's you're just it doesn't work like that. I think there's there is validity in potentially playing a a, a relegation playoff between uh, the bottom team and the and the emerging nations, but yeah, I think if, for example, another team. Uh, were to replace Italy, I think you have the same um you probably have the same issue i think mm. it's they're on a a negative spiral and it has been for for a long period of t- of time but there are big i suppose uh rays of hope when you, when you look at an italian under twenty team beat in England so maybe just this is this is the most difficult cycle they'll have i think they're very important um for, for, for the Six Nations and um, for me I think you you, you, you stick with them um,
3: you mentioned learnings earlier on you had a bit of a wild ride last weekend you had enough done against Claremont but uh, Claremont but they got close in the end yeah yeah uh, I mean
2: 31 13 77. Yeah. on the clock mad and, uh, yeah welcome to the top 14 uh, absolute uh, mayhem uh, we didn't we got a well incredible I suppose um, never say die attitude for our bonus point try after 77 minutes you think uh, we there was a bit of fortune in it but the guys it was a bit of a dead end case the guys kept chasing and they managed to to, to get the ball down so it was uh, four tries to one so that's what happens in top 14 you have to outscore your opposition by three tries to get a bonus point in attack so we had that, but then, um, yeah, of course, uh, kick-off reception, uh, we miss it. And uh, they score off that and then literally uh, kick-off again and they lose the ball and we get it. We throw a speculator and two tries in, in three minutes. So um, it's uh, probably ties into the, the discussion the week previously about kicking to the corner. I thought Ireland were right to go for the points because uh, you know, in three points... Um, in Test Rugby is nothing mm. uh,
3: when you work so closely with Jono was it a nice was it nice to be able to shake the hand at the end after that or how does that how does that work
2: no because was it was nice to have an over
3: him like I suppose is what I'm asking
2: no 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 because sure they won their home game but and we got a bonus point and they came here uh, and they they got a bonus point so there was basically you um, know I mean uh Even Stevens, Adrian. Even Stevens,
3: very good. Well, look at you, hang on, hang on there. I watched the highlights last night. It was uh, was a mad, it was a mad one. It was a mad (laughs) one. I can only imagine from a coach's
2: point of view that the black book was full afterwards. You just got to remember too, but I think we have enough points ahead. Imagine if that last try had led to a defeat, that would be uh, uh, topped up with the Bear Ritz in the 83rd minute. That would be... uh, That'd be a nice drive home to the family. Hi, guys. How are you? (laughs) I
3: got into my room here. I'll be back out in about three days. (laughs) 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 Oh, wow. Good stuff yeah. here. Listen, enjoy the games over the weekend. Thanks a million.
2: Yeah, cheers. See you guys.
3: Cheers. Bye. <laughs> Ron the line there from La Rochelle. um It was a mad old thing. There was all sorts going on. It's worth watching back. There's four minutes of highlights of it on YouTube and it is worth watching back because you're looking at the end scoreline and then you're looking at the game as it unfolds and you're thinking, there must have been something. They must have mistitled this thing because... <laughs> Surely they couldn't have scored two converted tries in the last two and a half minutes, but as he said himself, that's exactly what happened. Uh, that's Ronan on the line there. Interesting stuff ahead of the, uh, particularly around Joy Carberry and uh, Sexton's grumpiness. Like Jerry Thornley does have him in at um, in the squad in the twenty three for the weekend, according to whatever sources he has. It seems like that's what's going to happen. I can only imagine where he's like knocking on the door, going here. I put me in would you just start me I need the game time ahead of England mm. and Farrell is like sitting back on. oh I didn't have him in the squad at all <laughs> no I mean no you're on the bench Johnny that's you've just been upgraded
4: yeah I would like I, I think that it, it had been said earlier in the week that this notion that Johnny Sexton needed a game before Twickenham probably didn't wash and Sexton has proven just this season that he can come back and play well and he can hit the ground running and I mean, how much is someone like Sexton going to get out of a game like Italy as well? Is Mm. something maybe they factored into it? I just think that they're on a really nice... There's an opportunity, I should say, for them to run into a really nice bit of momentum with Joey Carberry in the 10 shirt now. And halting that would have been detrimental for him. And I I think that Sexton maybe doesn't come into the thinking for this weekend a little bit. I think it's more about the player who does start. What's
3: the point in Sexton coming off the bench with ten minutes to go to see a game out where Ireland already thirty yeah. points up.
4: Well I was just gonna say that like the, the decision was made based on who does start as opposed to leaving somebody out. I think this is th- the the yeah. story here yeah. is Joey Carberry, not Johnny Sexton.
3: Managing the message on, I hear you, I hear you. Right, it's uh, coming up at a quarter past eight. It's Friday morning. You're watching O T We've loads still to come. Uh, we'll have live crappy quiz a little bit later on. We're going to talk to Alan Quinlan, uh, a little bit more about the rugby, R G A quick picks on the way shortly. And up next, Professor Simon Chadwick is going to talk to us about uh, events in Ukraine and uh, generally the economic and geopolitical influence in that part of the world at the minute. O T B All right, it's quarter past eight. It's a Friday morning. You're watching OTB AM. Delighted to say that uh, we're joined on the line now by Professor Simon Chadwick, an expert in geopolitics and the economics of sport. Good morning, Simon. Good morning thanks a lot for taking our call obviously in the shadow of events unfolding uh, between Russia and Ukraine um, at the minute we wanted to get you on and get some of your thoughts on that and we might come back to the tangled web uh, behind uh, how we've got here but your reaction first of all if you don't mind to the removal of St. Petersburg as the host venue for, uh, for the Champions League final
7: I think that UEFA is in a very difficult position, and uh, it's it's actually moved swiftly and decisively to 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 address the situation uh, I'm sure that UEFA will justify this in in terms of of safety and security, but also upholding a, a set of values which it believe sport should ad- adhere to um, but I think UEFA ultimately really had no choice
3: yeah, so they're doing it for the they had no choice in terms of the optics of it really.
7: Yeah, I mean, obviously the, the, the difficulty UEFA is in is UEFA is, uh, has got a Gazprom sponsorship and, and for, for people who don't know, Gazprom is the Russian state-owned um, gas corporation uh, and Gazprom and Ukraine and the whole issue of, of, of Russian influence over Western Europe has been central to what's now happening in Ukraine and and for UEFA to be associated with such intense geopolitics I think was was just probably a step too far for UEFA, even though, as I say, Gazprom is a sponsor. Um, You've got to keep in mind that, that the 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 final in St. Petersburg, obviously Gazprom sponsored tournament in a Gazprom owned stadium where a Gazprom owned team normally plays, uh, and it just didn't look good for UEFA. I think it had to do something.
3: Gazprom's involvement in football in itself is slightly odd. A natural gas company, when you look at a lot of the shirt sponsorships uh, in global sport, they don't tend to be at that level necessarily. Um, Majority state owned uh, stake owned by the Russian state. First got involved, I think it was Shalka 15 years ago. Can you talk to us a little bit about that, Simon, and, and why they're involved in football?
7: Yeah, I mean, obviously you've got to keep in mind that normally if we take the Champions League or the European Championships, for example, uh, you know, we would normally expect a, what's called a, a B2C sponsorship, a business-to-consumer mm. sponsorship. So you know, McDonald's or Coca-Cola or Sony PlayStation, Heineken are the kind of deals that you would normally expect. But Gazprom, but not just with UEFA, but also with Schalke as well, is a very different kind of sponsor because... Effectively, what what Gazprom does is it sells gas to governments and exactly how you do that through a UEFA sponsorship deal is is, not immediately clear. So I think partly the deal was about Gazprom legitimising itself and what I mean by that is, you know, up until Monday, none of us really questioned Gazprom. None of us really asked what Gazprom is, what it does, how it goes about its business. We just accepted it as a Champions League sponsor. And I think that's exactly what, what Gazprom wanted to do. It wanted to legitimize uh, the activities in which it was engaged. And obviously what we know those activities were is what's happened this week. Um, but I think the second aspect of this as well is when a sponsor engages with, with Schalke or, or with UEFA or any other property, uh, what they do is they activate a deal. They activate the deal. And what, what activating the deal means is for example, um, using corporate hospitality to entertain important decision makers, uh, Potential clients and so on and so forth, and so I think what Gasprom has also done is to use Champions League games and to use the corporate boxes in places like Old Trafford and, you know, Anfield and many other such places too, to really engage in what I would call fast track diplomacy, which is to to to, to target. Uh, important decision makers, politicians, influential people, businesses, that Gazprom really needed to not only sell gas, but I think also further its political agenda. And that's exactly what's happened, not just in the 15 years since it signed with with Schalke, but in the the near 10 years since it's been with UEFA.
3: Is there any existing uh, governance to hold deals like that to scrutiny?
7: There isn't. Uh, I think that's a simple thing is is what tends to happen um, in football right now is is if there's a company that is willing to pay uh, then football, Typically, we'll accept that money, and and you know, we're not just talking about Gazprom here. We're talking about gambling sponsorships and, and many other forms of sponsorship, and and so I think w- one of the lessons that European football has got to learn from all of this is is that if you take someone's money, um, sometimes baggage with com- comes with that, and and so the way in which we engage in due diligence and, and risk assessment has got to change. And and I've been monitoring Gazprom now for for the best part of fifteen years, and and it was very clear what Gazprom was and what it was trying to do. You know, Gazprom was a hugely controversial organization, particularly in places not just like Ukraine, but also in places like Poland. Um, There have been issues in Serbia. Uh, Clearly, the connection to Germany is, is, is really contentious. And yet, it appears that that nobody within the the international football community, including UEFA, really questioned that sufficiently enough. And this is where you know, where we now are. I, I've said earlier in the week in, in in another interview that I gave, it's it's almost as though European football has been sleepwalking into this situation. When you know, for some of us, we spotted this fifteen years ago, and it's just been simmering since then.
4: What adds a whole other level of intrigue to this is not necessarily just on the surface level you've got UEFA greed, which is the obvious answer to to why they've turned a blind eye to this, but also kind of how this happened. And when you look at someone like Alexander Dukov, who is the chief executive of Gazprom Neft, who, who actually has a seat on the UEFA's executive committee, that is a hugely problematic thing,
7: right? I, I think you've raised a really great point and a really important point because Alexander Dukov is is pivotal in all of this. So Dukov um, was uh, was in charge at Zenit Saint Petersburg. Uh, he is now the head of the Russian Football Union, the Russian Football Association. He's also the head of Gazprom, but by by virtue of his. Um, his role with uh, with the Russian Football Union, he's managed to get himself onto the UEFA Executive Council. So, you know, what's you know, kind of almost perverse about all of this is is that UEFA has been you know has been forced to make decisions about Russia and about Gazprom and and, and about other related issues in meetings where where Dukov. Who effectively is one of Putin's, you know, sidekicks? He's one of his right-hand men. Certainly in football, has been present in those meetings, and 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 I think the the whole governance of not just of sponsorship deals, but I think the whole governance of UEFA itself as an organisation has really been challenged, and dare one say, even compromised by what has happened this week. But as I say, you know, this 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 didn't just sneak up on us. You know, that was this was there all along. It's been there for the last ten years within UEFA, and really nobody, in, including people outside UEFA, not just people inside UEFA, you know, including people outside UEFA, have not challenged this, have not questioned this. And I think one of the things we've got to learn moving forward from here is the way in which not just sponsorship deals, but TV deals, commercial deals, where, where matches are hosted, where finals are staged, we have to stop taking these things much more seriously and asking not just economic and commercial questions, but political questions, sociocultural questions. Uh, and we've got to be a lot more savvy and, and improve the the standard of governance that is sp- displayed within football.
3: You mentioned about the sleepwalking aspect to it. It's m- probably more likely, I guess, that everybody was fully aware as to what was going on here, but they chose to take that sort of blinkered view. Is, is this a moment now for... Uh, Introspection for for football, particularly at this minute.
7: Uh, well, the, the moment the moment was probably twenty years ago, or nearly twenty years ago, when Roman Abramovich took over Chelsea. Um, and again, Abramovich is part of this because Abramovich, at the time who was uh, he bought Chelsea, was the uh, the owner of a, a Russian gas corporation called Sibneft, and uh, and Abramovich sold Sibneft. Um, to the Russian state and, and that ultimately became, you know, what is essentially now Gazprom. And so, you know, we've had lots and lots and lots of opportunities, you know, what's happened this week, what happened with Abramovich when, um Russia invaded Crimea, uh, and yet we've not really asked questions and we've not really reflected. And I think you know these are just words, and you know, now is a moment for reflection where, yeah, okay, we could have said that you know, 10, 10, 15, 20 times over the last 20 years and we've not done it. And so you know, if we're going to say now is a moment for a reflection, we've got to mean it. We've actually got to do it. Mm. And that's got to take a political – that needs a, a political will. It needs a, an appetite to do it. And then obviously it's not just talk about it, actually do do it.
3: You tweeted a link last night, Simon, to a, uh, an article about Manchester United's sponsorship deal with Aeroflot, uh, Russian state-owned um, airline, and why there isn't more due diligence around stuff like that. For example, it feels like it's a case of for a lot of these clubs or associations uh, to, you know, get the money in and then sort of keep the head down and, and hope that there's not too much of a stir about it. In the context of what you've just said, how do you see relationships like that, for example, because the Gazprom one is obviously a, um, a very significant one that, that we will talk about, but there are several others. How do you see those sort of relationships uh, developing from here?
7: And I, I, I think it would be very very easy just to sit here and lay the blame at the door of UEFA, lay the blame at the door of uh, Manchester United and, and other such organisations. But you've, you've got to keep in mind that these organisations, particularly clubs, um, they they do they they do operate in a high cost environment. You know, so players earn huge amounts of money. Um, the tra- transfer fees are massive, uh, and and so they've got to cover their costs. You know, if they don't if, if, if they don't generate revenues to cover the costs of clubs, clubs go out of business. And and so, you know, it is almost as though we all need to have this conversation about a new deal for football. And and you know, instead of being seduced by big name players on big salaries and big transfer fees, and talking about you know, we're the best league in the world. So there's a time, now is the time, as you say, it's a moment to reflect and to think, well, you know, somehow we've been complicit in this for the last 30 years. We've let this happen and here we are now. And football is a part of something much, much bigger than than perhaps we realized when we, we used to talk about such things. Mm. Um, but I think, uh, yeah, you know, absolutely. And in, in this dash for revenue, you know, there are good ways to make money, and there are bad ways to make money. And as I say, through through, for example, gambling sponsorships or associations with you know the Russian state, you know through through associations with people who are perhaps involved in in other in, in activities that we don't necessarily like or agree with. You know, we've we we we've, we've got to take action. We can't just talk about it. And so, moving forward from here, I, I think that. The Aeroflot Manchester United case demonstrates, and for that matter, the Gazprom, Schalke, Gazprom, UEFA case, you know, does reveal that increasingly people expect sponsorship deals to. Um, at least adhere to some basic principles of of morality and have some underpinning values attached to them. You know, if we think about you know the likes of Naomi Starker or Colin Kaepernick or um, you know, Lewis Hamilton, you know we know we know there is a, a wind of change blowing through commercial relationships. And I think what we now realise is it can't just be around you know other social causes such as ethnicity and 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 racism you know it's also got to extend to um to to, to ideological position and, and political values and and I think they you know, this whole episode reveals that to us and so sponsorship has to change commercial relationships have to change and and ultimately it could be that we've just got to say well hey yeah you know, we can't, we can't take this money from, from Russia. We can't take this money from Saudi Arabia. We can't take this money from you know, wherever it comes from. So, you know, there are some harsh realities here for football to deal with. And, and you know, I go back to your point about, is it a moment to reflect? Absolutely it is. And, and we can't just talk about it. We've got to decide what we do moving forward from here.
4: Like, like the thing about that is that in the Newcastle situation, the money from Saudi Arabia has been accepted. And it seems that the uproar about that wasn't necessarily going to lead to, to change or to any sort of prevention of that takeover of Newcastle United. Whereas this seems different, this seems as if change might actually happen or things might actually stop. For example, the behaviour of putting the uh, Champions League final in St. Petersburg is, is going to be reversed. That is an actual change as a result of what's happening. So all of a sudden, is this the line in the sand? You know, one country in, invades a, a, another country relatively close to the, to the Western world, a, a country that is uh, that has done nothing wrong. And that is the, the line in the sand, whereas Saudi Arabia is on the right line in that uh, right side of that line? Is, is that what we're we're saying here? Because it does seem that nothing has actually changed materially as a result of Saudi Arabia.
7: Well, I'll say two things. I mean, firstly, Saudi Arabia was involved in a war when um, it was given permission to buy Newcastle United. Saudi Arabia is involved in a war in Yemen. Um, the people of Yemen did nothing. You know, the people of Yemen, Yemen didn't invade Saudi Arabia. Uh, you know, Saudi Arabia is involved in a, in a really long and uh and and bloody war in Yemen um now that's a complicated situation I don't want to generalize or oversimplify but nevertheless you know reference to that war was not made when an application by the Saudi Arabian state was made to the Premier League to buy Newcastle United and you know that, that that didn't form part of the owners and directors test decision that was implemented or applied in, in the case of saudi arabia buying newcastle so there is a direct comparison you know within the last 6 months we've already made the same mistake with saudi arabia and newcastle united we didn't question the war part um, but i think moving on from 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 that to the current situation you know we, we perhaps shouldn't you know become too optimistic and 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 too um you know, hopeful that things are going to dramatically change anytime soon as the pandemic has shown to us it's actually very easy to move a game. Uh, the Champions League for the last two seasons has moved. And and, and and I think UEFA probably feels fairly safe, fairly confident in moving games now because they know it can be done at relatively short notice. The acid test for UEFA and the acid test for, for football is will you ever terminate their sponsorship deals with Gazprom because that's far less easy that's far more challenging to to accomplish and i think for me the acid test is not just moving a single game the acid test is you know what about those deals with Gazprom Keeping in mind that they're not just the Champions League. It's also European Championship and, and Nations League as well. That's the first thing. And the other thing is on an ongoing basis, you know, how will UEFA engage with the Russian Football Union and engage with the Russian national team moving forward from here? So, you know, there's still the, 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 the substantive, the fundamental issues are still there. You know, good start, UEFA, but let's see more. Hmm.
4: And there's a bit of strength in numbers as well with regards to their response over the last 24 hours. Everybody else is doing it, so it's safe enough for us to take something away from the Russians. So I guess the, the acid test will be what happens next when there is literally money on the line with regards to their Gazprom sponsorship. In, in many ways, this situation uh, deteriorates uh, and and gets more grim by the day, which it is likely to do in a, in a similarly grim way. That would make UEFA's decision even easier. It would be a situation where they just c- cannot continue with Gazprom.
7: Yeah. And, 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 I think, uh, and, and, I you know, when you said that li- there's literally money on the line, you know, keep that phrase in mind as we go through the next, mm. you know, week, week, month, six months. Um, so that's one thing. I think the other thing as well is, is you've got to, I think you got to keep in mind two things. The first one is, is the Russian football union is part of UEFA. There are 55 member associations, including Ireland, England, France and, and others. You know, but so it's Russia. So, you know, UEFA has a responsibility to the Russian football union as, as much as it does to, to Ireland, to, to England. And Others, so you know, that, that's a that's a particularly difficult and complex challenge I think for UEFA for, for, to to deal with. But I think the other thing I would say as well, you mentioned Alexander Dukov, so there's pressure coming from Russia inside UEFA, but you also have to keep in mind there's going to be pressure coming on UEFA from outside the organisation. You know, so from the United States, from the British government, from there, from the French government, and so you know, this is a, this is a governing body. There. You know, this is organ this this, this organisation. You know, sets up competitions and you know. The, promotes grassroots development of football and, you know, kind of funds women's football. It's, it's not, a, you know, it's not the United Nations. It's not a geopolitical organisation. And so I think, you know, UEFA does need to be supported. It does need to be helped. It does need to to, to um, be guided to ensure that it makes the best possible decisions. Number one for football, but I think beyond that, obviously, to ensure that football is delivered in a, in a in a safe and secure way, but in a way that doesn't, um, perpetuate or support or condone violence of any of any uh, particular nature. But
4: could you say that they have made themselves a geopolitical entity as a result of getting into bed with a company like Gazprom?
7: One hundred percent. what's really interesting is the the IOC as as over, IOC over the last twelve months. We've had Thomas Bach, the 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 president of the IOC, telling us that the 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 Olympic movement, the Olympic Games, is not a political organization, and yet a lot of what he's done over the last uh, uh, 12 months has been incredibly political and geopolitical and and so I think it is almost unavoidable at uh, at this particular moment in time for a sports organization you know, whether it's a, a governing body like UEFA or a club like Manchester United or, or even a sponsor you know, thinking about sponsors like you know, McDonald's or Coca-Cola it's almost impossible to 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 be um Neutral and, and non-political, and so I think what this does call for 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 organisations in football to to think about and really to really establish in their minds is, you know, who are we? What do we do? And what values do we embody? And, and, you know, we shouldn't, they shouldn't necessarily be thinking about Ukraine or they shouldn't necessarily be thinking about, you know, issues of racism or whatever else it might be. It's fundamentally what do we stand for? And then you make decisions in the context of what you stand for. And I think that that's where the, the UEFA Champions League decision comes from because, you know, UEFA does try to adhere to the IOC, to the Olympic Charter and and uphold certain basic principles and values. And so I think. in in this context, that's that's one of the positives that's come that has come out of this is UEFA said, you know, we do have a set of values, um, and we're gonna s- adhere to those values and we're gonna, gonna operate and make decisions on that basis. So, you know, good start, UEFA, but let's look at those commercial deals and, and as we move forward from here, you begin to think about, well, you know, is there a way of terminating those Gazprom deals? And and if there isn't, you know, next time when the the rights negotiations come round, you know, are you gonna exclude Gazprom from bidding for the right to bid for those uh, rights?
3: the removal of the Champions League final Schalke have actually taken the shirt sponsorship off, I don't know if the the action delves any deeper than that but you would expect that a lot of other brands as you've just been indicating will be left with no choice but to do that exact same thing have you any sense of um, Putin has been talking about the Iron Curtain now as well but have you any sense about how having spent years and millions and tens of millions to build up that soft power base how all that plays out in the Kremlin I
7: mean I (sighs) mean You've got to keep in mind that, in the great scheme of things, when you've you've got a, a Russian president who's who's you know kind of waving the threat of nuclear weapons in front of everyone, sports sponsorship really is is you know it kind of disappears into the background and it, and it's far less important than than perhaps we're making it out to be. Um, but I think certainly one of the things that, that that Putin and the Kremlin has done is to is to try and shape the uh, uh, the world's view of of Russia. And I think if you go back to 2016 in Marseille you know obviously we we, we suddenly had this uh view of of Russia as you know basically being this thuggish bully that was walking around Marseille beating up football fans. And obviously there were stories that Russian secret agents were part of the Russian hooligan gangs that were there at the time. And so this got to, got, got us to, to, to 2018. And and I think about England, there were actually more Chinese football fans in, in, in Russia in 2018 than there were England fans, because I think England fans were genuinely afraid that, that if they went to Russia, they, they would get beaten up. They were, you know, they were possibly even worse. Um, and, when people actually went to Russia, they came back and they were saying, "What a great, what a great country, what a great atmosphere, what a great welcome." You know, we're really safe, no problems at all. And so, you know, I think that demonstrates how Russia and how Putin has used sport to manipulate and to shape people's perceptions of, of Russia. And up to this point, that has served its purpose. But I think moving forward from here, you know, obviously the. the, the, the the cats out of the bag, you know. We, we know, we know still that that kind of brutish face that we saw in Marseille in 2016 during the European Championships. You know, that that is how Putin wants Russia to exert its influence now. And so, I think you know, if we are going to see um, Putin in the Kremlin engaging with sport from here, then you know, it's going to be a very different incarnation moving forward than it has been over the last five, six, seven, eight years.
3: Will the Abramovich Chelsea relationship survive all this?
7: Um, it has so far, and and it seems to be that there's no political appetite to to, to deal with Putin. Uh, the alarm bells have been ringing for quite some time. Uh, we know that Theresa May's government, for instance, uh, denied uh, um, Abramovich uh, a visa to enter Britain. So, you know, again, there are some really, really t- difficult, tough questions for for the British government to ask for. Um, British football to ask, for the Premier League to ask, for Chelsea fans to ask. You know, I go back to the earlier point that I made is 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 that Abramovich will have used money that he made from selling Sibneft to Gazprom to help him buy Chelsea. And I I, I I I I I'm I'm often dismayed by football fans saying a Premier League best league in the world uh, and it's, it's, it's almost like a house built on sand. And, and what's now happening is the sand is shifting and, and the house will start to crumble. But having said all of that, you know, as we know, there, there tends to be this kind of myopia or, or this, uh, reluctance to even contemplate bad things when it comes to the Premier League. Cause of course it's the best league in the world. But, you know, we, we, we've, we've got Abramovich, someone who's associated with Vladimir Putin at, uh, Chelsea. You know, we've got, Saudi Arabia at Newcastle United, Saudi Arabia is involved in a war. You know, we've got numerous others with, with, if not dubious track records, then certainly with associations with with issues, with organizations, with causes, with problems that really, you know, we, we don't really want these people involved in running football clubs, but they're there. They are there. And I think if you, if, if the, the British government of the Premier League was to start with Abramovich, you know, it's a bit like once you start cutting, a uh, cutting the branches of a tree, you know, you just very suddenly find yourself halfway down the trunk and having to cut the whole tree down. And, and so it's very difficult territory for the government and very difficult territory for the Premier League to go into because once you start dealing with one case, then a whole stream of other cases will start to unfold.
3: Yeah, Professor Simon Chadwick, thanks a lot for joining us. Thank you. Informative stuff on the situation unfolding and the ramifications of it as well. They're so wide-reaching, like it's almost impossible to unpick... Everything that's been built up over the last twenty, thirty years.
4: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, like, absolutely. Like, what happens next is going to be very interesting because, as, as I as I put them there, it, it does make it does make UEFA's life a little bit easier if things just uh, develop the way they're probably going to go, and they will have to cut their ties. It would be uh, not only a show of brass neck for them to continue to associate with Russian sponsors; it would be uh, stupidity actually from their part, and, and nobody would win. I think. Um, People should have been able to see the wood from the trees before now, but I think that would uh, certainly be the case in the future if this somehow continues, this relationship, or the relationships that they have
3: with with a lot of Russian backers. Chelsea would owe Abramovich £1.5 billion if he was to leave tomorrow. Wow. That's unbelievable. He's uh, really played them. Well, you know, and anyway... We will come back to that topic, I'm sure, uh, no doubt, on the track. O2BM brought to you by Gillette. Uh, good morning, start with Gillette. Put your best face forward with their new and improved razors. We've got uh, rugby with Alan Quinlan, the latest sports news with John Duggan, and the crappy quiz uh, still to come this morning. But right now, time to get into the GA quick picks. <laughs> of these critics these pundits i absolutely adore them lads i have
8: unbelievable time from but they're, they're a great punch but it's not acceptable i'd like to play the hard man when, when they're on it's not very pleasant when you're trying to manage a team all you're looking for is a bit of civility and a bit of decency but they just dismiss you like like you, you know you have nothing to do with the bloody occasion
3: well Ashling, morning
5: morning guys How you getting on?
3: Morning, Owen. how's the form
9: Good now, not too bad. How
3: are you? Owen is top of the table by some distance. I know we had some cancellations last weekend and you know I probably would have nudged a little bit further up the table. But Owen is uh, 20 out of 29 so far, Owen.
4: Yep. 68% oh,
3: wow. strike rate. It's pretty good. I mean, yeah, I the rest off. of us are pathetic after that, to be honest. Tommy's 55 Will fifty five. I myself and Ashling are battling it out there, just nudging over that fifty percent. Well, I
4: didn't get a yes. chance
9: last week.
4: That's true, or the That's week true. before, or yeah. the week before. Yeah. It just. looks like. I mean, Ashling just hasn't got going. The, yeah, I not had the Nostradamus one, team. Otb.
3: That is true. That is true. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. Right. Let's get into this week's See what we got. Uh, we're going to kick off with Donegal, uh, Donegal Tyrone, and it is Tyrone across the board here. Uh, is it going to be that clear, code Ashling?
9: Um, I think so. I think this will, this will be a big game for Tyrone. The edge pascal there last weekend. Um, I think Donegal will probably endure a tough day because they're going to be without Michael Langle and Michael Murphy. A lot of talk at the moment as well about they're heavily reliant on Michael Murphy. And I do think that is the case. I actually remember watching them last year, the championship game against Derry. And he came off the bench. I don't even think he was fully fit. And I just, this was a turning point. The reason I mention it is because I think this, when I realised, wow, this is how heavily reliant they are on him. He basically wasn't really involved with the ball too much. He just took two players out of the game and created so much space for Dunyall to push on. Um, And basically Derry players just followed him. And so that's the impact he had. So I think without him, they'll find it tough, you know, uh, Tyrone, on the other hand, they got their first win against Kader, uh last weekend. Just about a really important win for them, and they done it with missing four of their key players, in particular, um, Padraic Hamsie, Kieran McGarry, Peter Hart, Michael McKiernan, So they're all back as well. And um, some of the younger lads got a chance last week. The likes of Derek Canavan, he started. So all those things are really positive. And when I spoke to Brian Dewar after the game, he said, "You know, it was a chance for those lads to to really get a start to make put their hand up." And then we got a win. So we really kicked the campaign off eventually. And yeah, they're they're hoping to to push on now. So I think, yeah, I think they'll they'll do it easy enough.
3: Yeah, the four lads back. I think that's probably going to tip the scales there. Uh, Kildare Dublin is next up. (laughs) Uh, it's Kildare for Ashling, Kildare for Will, Kildare for Owen, and I am going for Dublin. I am actually really surprised to see that I am the outlier in that regard. Like, I get the, I get that Kildare have yeah, left, Kildare. Their, I get that Kildare have left their mark on, on you Division hate One. Kildare. I do accept that that they've left their mark on Division <laughs> One. To be fair, <laughs> and, like there's a the body campaign. of e- growing body of evidence suggests that um, you know they're they're not quite in the deep end, but they're 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 doing okay. Look, at they've still got one draw to show for their campaign so far, and you know, could I would argue as well in the context of this game that that there might be 10 teams that on their day in in the country at the minute might actually beat Dublin. So there is the context of that. And Kildare are probably um, amongst that, that group. You would say, and the reason that I'm going for Dublin here, to give the rationale that... There isn't. people are talking about the idea of going to Newbridge like going to Newbridge or going to Ockram or going to Portleash for this Dublin team really is not a thing that overly concerns them that much, it doesn't hold any fear for them the, it, Rot has to stop at some point I know there's a bit of mad logic to that but it does have to stop at some point or another and I think that when you look across that Dublin team, you look at Small, Fitzsimons Fenton, Howard, Bugler, Kilkenny, Rock like they are class, now I know they haven't shown it so far this year but I expect it to come out on in Newbridge.
4: I I'm not sure what the other p- I'm surprised it is three one because I I definitely had Dublin down here for a while before changing to Kildare because I think Always right the now same. if we're in if we're in the predictions game I mean we've gone so far like having tipped Mayo last week and kind of been unsure about that. You got to keep going. You got to get you got to keep tipping against Dublin until uh, they eventually win and it is going to happen eventually like like the venue thing is an interesting one because I think we've spoken about this quite a bit Crow Park and the open spaces for someone like Daniel Flynn and Jimmy Highland would probably provide them with more opportunities to kill off this Dublin team than Newbridge will provide on Sunday but uh, there is the, the other element of them being at home and they've clearly used that home advantage as a, as a pretty significant uh, kind of siege-like scenario in the past in Championship, the Mayo game being the obvious example a few years ago. So uh, that, that one's kind of a bit of a toss of a coin, but I think at the moment like if there's no more players back for Dublin again this weekend and it's the same team as last weekend and they've got opened up three games in a row I think they're probably going to get opened up again will they be able to will Kildare will be able to keep enough at the other end of the of the side because uh, I think they'll have enough an attack to, to put up a decent enough tally is the question and that's down to the Dublin forwards to, to try and ratchet it up one more this week Yeah,
3: and they're not like Kildare for me just not Seasoned enough, they had opportunities to kill off that game against Toronto a couple of weeks ago, late on. A bit panicky at the end when they could have tapped one over and gone a couple of clear. But uh, so that's my rationale. Mayo Armagh is where we're going to move swiftly on to next. And I'm again the outlier here. And um, I'm sort of again kind of blindly sticking to my guns here. The three you're going for Mayo, and I'm going for Armagh. Well,
5: toughest game of the weekend to call I think yeah. um, uh, up there with Calair in Dublin definitely like again Armagh so impressive not to blow my own trumpet but it called the draw correctly between Armagh and Monaghan last week thanks a lot to the officials for not spotting a penalty that went about two feet over the line <laughs> uh, which would have probably ruined that prediction but again like Armagh have backed up their performances and again that was a really good display probably unlucky not to win against Monaghan last weekend like at the same time how good were Mayo at Crow Park I thought they created goal chances. I thought for all the talk about Dublin and where Dublin are that, Mayo again went and looked really comfortable in that game where they defeated Dublin. I've been impressed by Mayo so far. Like it's hard to read so much into maybe that first game against Sunny Gaul, which was played in such treacherous conditions, but still Mayo got out of that one without being defeated. And uh, yeah, I just think they've impressed me so far. And I think they're gonna edge a very, very narrow one against Armad this weekend. This is probably game of the weekend in Division One. Albeit probably a lot of the attention is going to go on Newbridge because of the potential implications for Dublin if they're <laughs> defeated and the fact they'd be in a relegation battle. But I think this could be the best game of football this weekend.
4: Mayo Ma- Ma- Ma losing Castlebar has been uh, has been a good thing. Uh, like uh, this, <laughs> if you look at their uh, <laughs> the last time they were in Division One, I'm not sure did they lose all their games in in Castlebar. I, I, I can't remember how 2019 went, but, but definitely kind of. Um, just thinking about what they've done on the road and and not being it's a home game, but they're not at home this weekend, and mm. um, I'm, I'm not sure. Like I don't know what what happened to them there over the last little while, but they look so good at the weekend once again. And I think I think the height will probably suit them a little bit. It is Will is right. This is the game of the weekend,
3: <laughs> One of the biggest surprises with these entire predictions is that uh, some of these games are so obviously easy to call a draw for, and you know our friend up there at the top right has so easily gone for the draw when it wasn't even that obvious at times although one of them did come off well to be fair to you uh, i did, i was so tempted to go for a draw but having them will
5: eventually hit the market patrol. they often. will
3: they will i was I've so i just couldn't again. couldn't bring myself let's bundle awfully meath first of all and then claire Derry together we're all going for meath and then uh, mm-hmm. claire Derry. Uh, Derry all the way ashling meath what's your i this weekend isn't going to cause the you wouldn't expect to cause the greatest trouble for this Mead team. Where are they at overall?
9: Yeah, it, it, it's tough as a, as a meat supporter at the minute. They, they lost to away that game that you just like to forget. They lost to Roscommon by four points and then they drew it down then as well. And it's just a really bad enough start for them. You know, I personally thought Down would have won the game last weekend, but they're probably another county that's not fully reaching their potential, but yeah, that's another story. But the the loss to go, we probably in particular was was really tough. And um, I just hope that they can get this win over Offaly, which I do think they will comfortably. Sorry, will um, put in a good performance and then push on from this point. You know, they're lacking that cohesion, momentum, all of these things that are just so important. They just they just look like they're lacking. They're not clicking at the minute, and they've really talented footballers. And it's just about getting them playing together as a team, regaining that confidence. Awfully, um, on the other hand they lost to Clare by 9 points and Derry by 12 points so you'd like to see Meade now getting this win by 5-6 to six points at least
3: Yeah and Derry one of the foreign teams in the country as well that's the football that's where we leave that on to the hurling now Tipperary Dublin uh, first up in 1B tip across the board will Dublin like have been grand but Tipperary at home is too much for them isn't it?
5: Um, I don't know I think Dublin have been A little bit better than Grand I think very good results First time out against Waterford getting a draw And then Went to Corrigan Park Which was a very difficult place To go last season And got themselves a win So they're already Up and running In a pretty decent position In Division 1B Ahead of this game Where we're probably Going to learn a little bit About Dublin With how they perform At Semple Stadium Because you know Tipperary last time out didn't exactly Sparkle against the young Kilkenny team but just About got the job done, they're definitely transitioning With the style of hurling that they're playing Which hasn't uh, fallen perfectly with All Tipperary supporters, some of them aren't a fan Of maybe some of the extra defensive system That they've been using but I saw the team that They had named last night, they've got a stellar forward Line at uh, Tipperary ahead of this game At Thurless on Saturday and yeah I just think A bit like the Kilkenny game, uh, Tipperary Will have a little bit too much for Dublin On Saturday
3: how have you not gone for a draw on the Galway-Wexford game, which we can bring up on screen now and see which way everybody's gone, at Galway across the board? You you were talking them down. The hurling pod was, was rounding on Galway. Was
5: it? I were mean, you not? J- I think James Skell was being very tactical and clever by saying that Wexford were the best team in the country currently ahead of the game against Galway, putting all the pressure onto Darry Egan's side after uh, two impressive wins for both teams uh, so far in the league. Both have beaten Limerick in the opening two fixtures before the break. So uh, this is a real test for a Wexford team, Adrian, who are playing a different style of hurling as well. Uh, they're looking to get the ball in. Last time out, they had both Rory O'Connor and Conor McDonald a little bit closer to goal. So they're not playing in the same way that they did under Davey Fitzgerald in recent seasons and a very nice brand of hurling as well go to Salt Hill against Galway who went out and did a proper job on Limerick just before the break. They were so impressive, particularly in the last 15 minutes. Call Mannion has been brilliant for Galway this year. As a result, they have flown up the uh, GA Power Ranking since, and they're in fourth place going into this weekend. And if Galway were to back it up and beat the Wexford team, have been so impressive. Maybe, just maybe, Galway could go even higher in the Power Rankings next week. But I think Galway at home are probably going to win this. They've been very good under Henry Shefflin so far. You know, stiffer tests await later in the year to see whether they're at a championship level, but they haven't put a foot wrong in the league, in their first uh, few weeks so far,
3: not a tie call for you
5: for Galway Wexford.
4: Uh, it was a tie call. Like I think, I, I don't think any of the four of us are saying that this is going to be a hammering in favor of Galway. Mm-hmm. I, I think that th- th- we've all kind of uh, weighed this up and said that uh, that Galway are going to probably edge this one. What was the? the, the, the there was big talk of not only of Galway. Uh, being not great in the hurling pod that's probably not doing uh, James Cahill justice there but if Wexford being amazing like the, that was that was the whole point here that was the whole point about Galway being played down was that Wexford are class so clearly they are, you weren't buying the argument you were sitting there on the hurling pod Will silently disagreeing vehemently <laughs> with what you were hearing <laughs>
5: <laughs> well, I it's very, very very aware that you know James Cahill was going to play Galway down because the last thing he wants to do is to say right here we are a couple of rounds into the league Galway look fantastic and then straight away some will turn and say hey wait a minute remember 2021 when everyone was talking about Galway we're going to beat Limerick in the summer and then as it transpired Galway's summer entirely fizzled out it's about Galway being at that level where they can be a realistic contender for the All-Ireland Championship you know when we get into June and into July that's what really matters not where they're at in late February but we'll get a real feeling for where both teams are at this weekend I think um, for Wexford this is probably bonus territory if they can go and get a win in Salt Hill Galway would be expected to win but if they both play with the intensity they have in the first two weeks we could get a really good game of Hurling in Salto.
3: and the last fixture we have to look at here is Limerick, Cork, Ashling, and we're all going for Limerick across the board like Cork can feel Cork can plaster that one up on the uh, dressing room wall because they've been tipping along nicely and Limerick have not but I'm certainly starting this one by um, applying some of my Dub- Dublin logic in that it's got to come right
9: yeah I think so. yet to get a win, um so this has to be the time is the way I look at it. Repeated the All Ireland final as well, so I think um there a strong rivalry between the two teams. Cork will be hoping probably that this is their chance to get one over Limerick, you know, after that hurt. And the fact that they haven't won a game yet, but I think for Limerick, this result, it's not of paramount importance, I don't think, for them. But it does serve an opportunity for them to build momentum ahead of the championship. It's in the Gaelic rounds in Limerick. I think they'll they'll definitely do this one. Not comfortably enough, because Cork have been impressive and they're building year on year. Um, A lot of young players coming through, they're exciting to watch. So I do think it'll be a close game, but I I think Limerick will definitely edge this one.
3: Cavan Ladd wonders, uh, what about the other Gaelic football fixtures? I mean, he's talking about the big games. Cavan versus Carlo, for example. As the people of Kerry and Monaghan...
4: Oh well, uh, Kevin just, nailed on I just, uh, Yeah, Kevin are absolutely nailed on and I would just like to say that it's uh, not you or I or Will or Ashton who comes up with the fixtures this week, so it is uh, it is Tommy Rooney so any Monaghan people <laughs> the out there Tommy. who um, who are disappointed that they are not having their heavyweight clash previewed this Friday I, think I, everybody I echo just took your a, pain. T-
3: I think it was Tommy waited up and said listen, that's a gimme for Kerry So Yeah, you know, Tommy's words, Tommy, there's point. a lot
4: of disagreements <laughs> in this studio with that <laughs>
3: That's Quick Peaks I absolutely adore them
10: lads. I have unbelievable time from, but they're, they're a great bunch, but it's not acceptable.
3: That is a quick picks. Thanks to Will and to Ashling there, and we'll uh, keep an eye on events over the weekend. Bring you an update on exactly uh, my Storms at to the top of the table. I'm sure absolutely uh, next week as well. Uh, John Duggan, good morning to you. Adrian and Owen, how are we doing? All good. Um, Limerick going to get it. Going to come good in the All Ireland series this weekend. I mean, th- th- either either are. This is, a, this is a blip.
8: Uh, yeah, look, I think in the All Ireland series uh, they will, because I don't think they're at the peak of their cycle, and that's really what I'm more concerned about. As we've had this discussion, on am before, so yeah, we'll see. We'll see if it starts this weekend. What's happening, JD? Well, it's a very sad situation, obviously, in Ukraine at the moment, and it's quite sobering to read that the former world heavyweight champions in boxing, uh, Vitaly and Vladimir Klitschko, will join the fight to defend Ukraine. Uh, Vitaly is the mayor of Kiev uh, a lot of actions are around the world of sport obviously in the last 24 to 48 hours UEFA will today strip St. Petersburg of hosting the Champions League final on May 28th UEFA may also make decisions now about the Republic of Ireland's games and the Nations League against Ukraine we play them in Lviv on June 14th that's the scheduled date after a match in Dublin 10 days earlier who knows where we'll be by then uh, the Polish, the Czech, the Swedish FAs uh, asking not to play their World Cup qualifiers in Russia Aeroflot has now been banned by the British government. They sponsor Man United. Will that sponsorship go? Probably. The Gazprom sponsorship of Schalke has gone. Uh, A Labour MP, Chris Bryant, used parliamentary privilege to call on Chelsea to be taken out of the hands of Roman Abramovich, their owner. Max Verstappen uh, calling for the Russian Grand Prix to be cancelled. And uh, obviously we had those. I'm sure you paid at the top of the show there. The... uh, good line of questioning from Rob Harris to Gianni Infantino about having Putin in the tent as it were by hosting the World Cup in uh, Russia in 2018 and the uh, implications now in terms of all those uh, I suppose overtures to, to Russia from the international sporting community the IOC and FIFA uh, you know not worth a jot today
3: Yeah it is uh, it is grim stuff to watch and the ramifications for sports that we discussed earlier are wide ranging what else is going on JD?
8: Uh, well last night Arsenal huge win for them the fact that they're now what Um, Just a point behind Manchester United with two games in hand in the Premier League after that 2-1 victory over Wolves at the Emirates Stadium. They've done the double over Wolves, one of their rivals for the fourth spot in the table and Alex Lacazette scoring in injury time um, we have League of Ireland games tonight in the Premier Division Bohemians first game obviously their match last week was uh, called off they played Dundalk at Dediment Park big one up in the well. the champion Shamrock Rovers going to Derry City Damien duff Shelburne making the trip to Drogheda St. Pat's welcoming Sligo Rovers to Richmond Park UCD against Finn Harps Andy Farrell naming a side later for the match against Italy on Sunday in Dublin in the Six Nations will Joey Carberry retain his place will we see James Lowe return Peter and he could be in line for a start as well. Italy have not won a match in the Six Nations since 2015, and I don't think that's going to change. On Sunday, Ireland's under-20s play Italy this evening, going for the Grand Slam Musgrave Park at 8 o'clock start, 7.35 the start time for the Leinster game against the Emirates Lions at the RDS in Ballsbridge. Conor McManus, good news for Monaghan fans, he's available now for that game in Inishkeen against Kerry on Sunday after having his red card rescinded uh, that he received against Armagh last weekend. We have Shane Larry level par of the Honda Classic, six shots behind the leader, Kurt Katayama. Of America with Padra Carrington, three over par at PJ National Dundalk, hosting Racing this evening from four o'clock. So that's a lot going on, lads, for your sporting day and your sporting weekend. You have a
3: pack show lined up tomorrow. Have you a new face? Well, we, we're, we're always trying to use new voices uh,
8: football-wise and um, as well as the regulars like Damien Delaney, David Myler and Laro. But Owen Doyle, the St. Pat's striker, he might bag a gold or two tonight, is coming into the studio tomorrow with Dan and Johnny on Football Saturday between 3 and 5. We know he had such a very career in England, so we'll talk to him about that and obviously the Premier League as well. And obviously, uh, he's now moved to the League of Ireland, which is a, he could be a huge, uh, player in the League of Ireland as St. Pat's look to wrestle the title of, uh, Shamrock Rovers. But so much going on tomorrow like, Leeds, Spurs, the early game, Man United in the three o'clock match, Everton against Man City in the late game, and then looking ahead to the League Cup final on Sunday as well, lads, with Cleveland Callagher to start for Liverpool against Chelsea. such a landmark day for the Cork Natives. So football is really hotting up, like, we have a title race suddenly on our hands. With Liverpool now three points behind City, we've got a relegation battle which could have clubs like Everton Leeds being dragged into it as Newcastle look to survive and also that top four race as well. So Premier League is where it's at at the moment and obviously the League of Ireland uh, just two weeks old.
3: Yeah, uh, Well we'll be tuned in tomorrow from Thanks block. very much Come on JD uh, That's it Coming up on uh, 9 this morning A couple of comments Coming into us here uh, Paul Cork on YouTube Conway like the new earls Between them They could cover a few decades Of Irish rugby By just being rock solid And consistent It feels like If you're an international rugby player Somebody saying that You're rock solid And consistent Is like insulting
4: uh, And it's one of the most Undervalued ways To describe someone And I think we uh, don't appreciate it half enough just how impressive it is to be rock solid and consistent for that period of time
3: MOC says uh, what uh, what Johnny Sexton wants and what he gets should be two different things I presume they are and James McCullough on YouTube well done on mentioning sports and politics to say that they're not linked as childish everyone takes pride in their sport uh, sportmen and sport women uh, sport women governments fund uh, sports I don't really know what that point is it doesn't make full good <laughs> sense but uh, <laughs> there we go uh, it's nearly nine o'clock. Alan Quinlan, how are you doing?
1: Morning, lads. How are you?
3: Good. Um, the possible team is in, and I think it's readily accepted now. It looks like Joey Carberry is going to start. We've been discussing with uh, Roger a little bit earlier on, the ins and outs of it. But, like, in terms of... The, some some of his hand has been forced in terms of injuries and sickness and stuff like that, but in terms of World Cup planning, it's the thing that makes sense, doesn't it?
1: Yeah, it probably does. Um, I think it's... it's jo- even looking ahead to New Zealand, um, what's going to happen there? How many games is Johnny Sexton going to play going forward? I'm sure he probably wanted to play, but this is a great opportunity to, to, to build Joey Carby's confidence, self-belief and, and get, get him up to speed. He's played very little rugby this season. So, um, it's, it's, I suppose it's the chance to build on, on the performance in, in Paris and, and, you know, see if he can, uh, if he can, you know, hit the ground running in this game. It's Italy are going to be fr- a frustrating side to play. They're going to be competitive, but Ireland should win this game easy. So it's a, it's a great opportunity for him.
3: Yeah, and the opportunity as well Like Keane Tracy was talking about on the show during the week like specifically to have in a way that he probably didn't for the France game like that week of planning and maybe a little bit more of knowing the runs and knowing the drills and the confidence of the players around him like the the difference in the, the confidence that can make to him when he gets to the starting blocks
1: Yeah, absolutely um, Look, I think w- will he start against England? I think if Johnny Sexton is fit and healthy I think... Um, he he probably won't, but um, you know to have that week in preparing with the team, and um, I'm sure he'll be very confident and um, at, at ease with himself, and um, and that's what you need for, with Johnny uh, with Joey Carbery. Um, he's missed so much time in the last couple of seasons with injury. Um, everyone was shocked that it was his first start against France mm. a couple of weeks ago, um, given that he's been you know around for a couple of years. Um, so it's really important for him, I think. But players have got to play, play, uh, the, particularly the forwards, have got to provide a decent platform for him. Whoever plays the scrum half, um, decent service. And I just hope that he does the, the, the simple things really well. That because it's Italy and because they've struggled so far in the championship that he doesn't try and force it a little bit. He's still going to be physically tested against them. Um, They're pretty physical side. Uh, but you would you would imagine that if he gets the right kind of service that he can prosper and 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 it's good for good for the team going forward, I think uh, really important because we all know the reality. Um, having Johnny Sexton playing the way he's been playing um that Welsh game play, the way he played in November was brilliant to have for Ireland. and you know, we've all kind of questioned uh, the depth chart. And and Ireland peaking and and in the last Six Nations and before the last World Cup, you know this time I think it is all about and it has to be about depth for the World Cup in eighteen months' time.
4: That point you make about Joey garbery doing the simple things right, it does seem that he's got better at that, better at uh, like a, a, he can still produce a bit spectacular, obviously, but it does seem that that level of control that seems to be quite a hard thing to attain for an out half. He's, he has developed that he, and it's almost been noticeable since he's come back from injury. He's almost come back from each injury as a more mature player and more capable of achieving that.
1: Well, that comes with confidence, doesn't it, on for any any player, particularly in a pivot, pivotal position like fly half. Um, for me, the big thing with Joey Carberry is his physicality. Defensively, um, that he makes his, his tackles and that he carries well and uh, into contact and stuff. And he did that well in, in, in Paris against a you know, probably the most physical side they're gonna encounter. Um I know England could be a different proposition in a few weeks and look even if he did start against England and who knows um what kind of decisions they'll make around that. But just for the here and now I think it is about you know playing in the right areas because um this is kind of this potential banana skin game. Ireland will win the game. Um what kind of performance um uh, people will be satisfied with is, is up for debate. I think um, I think they'll want to build on, on that kind of ruthlessness that you showed, particularly against Japan and Argentina in November. Um, everything's not going to be perfect, but I think that's really important where, where they play and, and the type of game plan and that he executes it well. So I've always said this about Joey Carberry. I don't know the guy very, very well, but I was kind of blown away a couple of years ago about in, in, in Australia when I when I was chatting to him. I was actually there with, with Rog and we ended up chatting to him and uh how relaxed and kinda of calm and lots of people say he's his teammates, people I've spoken to how, how relaxed and and um level headed he is. So uh people wanted to work out for him because he is a very, very talented player. I think what you want with Joey Carberry is just consistency uh and and a run of games, and I think this is really important. Not, not obviously for Munster, you know, you want him playing every week. Um, but the reality is, he's not going to play every time with Ireland, given that Johnny Sexton is still still around and still performing, which is great to have. But this is a really important one against the side that you know Ireland will win, and I think a lot of the eyes will be on his performance at ten if he starts.
3: The natural conclusion that I'm taking to everything you're saying, Quinny, Ireland will probably win as we sit here. Uh, He'd probably play well because it's not the nature of the game he had a couple of weeks ago and he needs a bit more game time. Is it ludicrous to suggest that? Because, like, it's not going to be the most ideal preparation for playing South Africa or Scotland or whoever else in the World Cup. Is it ludicrous to suggest that he should play against England as well?
1: Um, It's not ludicrous to suggest it. I think it's something that uh, look you're going to get it in New Zealand. So he needs to start the tests in New Zealand as well. Um, maybe you start all of the tests there. Who knows um, what what the plan will be for Johnny Sexton and how he and the Irish squad manage his 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 minutes and and what he plays. But um, look, I think they'll want to beat England and p- picking your best side. Johnny Sexton is still more solid, um, more experienced, uh, better at taking the ball to the game line um, and has has proven himself over the years and and he can still do it. So um, I I don't think he will start against England unless it would be a really brave decision. Would it be a decision that could benefit the team going forward? Yes, for sure. But... I think the thinking for that game will be, um, you know, with Tua Lange probably back in the mix, he's going to be involved. And um, they're getting a lot of that, those physical players back that England have lacked in the first couple of rounds. Um, but if he started again, you know, he went to Paris against a very physical side, did really well. So who's to say he's, he's very well capable of, of performing at this level. But like I said, we want to see some consistency out of him and, The big area is that physical kind of side that he makes. His tackle gets off the line um, and he's really strong defensively as well.
3: One player that we're definitely going to get to see a run of games is Dan Sheehan now, obviously with the injury to Keller and he comes in. uh, He likely comes in, according to the possible teams, um, he'll come in to play at Hooker this weekend and for the remaining games, you assume. It won't be lost in Keller, I'm sure, that if this guy comes in now and puts together a run of games like his... He's a star on the rise. What are the things that have impressed you most about Dan Sheehan?
1: Um, I think the most impressive thing is his rise in the last couple of seasons. Um, his pace, uh, his ability to score tries. And, you know, it looked like it's a, a seam, seamless. It, it, that was a big step up, Adrian, to, to come off the bench and play. Play for a long period in Paris and look really comfortable uh, at what he was doing there. Um He's an incredible athlete. Um, l- like Ronan Keller, when he came on the scene and he's still working through it, um, the line-out throwing is an area that um, you, you have to get right. And Ireland lost 2 lineouts um in Paris, and they struggled in the line-out. And I think you know, the first one they lost was James Ryan went up on a pot on his own, and that was a throw from Ronan Keller. It was an overthrow. Costly. The second one, Sheehan was throwing when when when, when Ty Byrne went up on his own and it was an overthrow in the in, in that match. So, uh, you know, you've got to get your pre- fundamentals right. Your scrummaging is absolutely vital. So, I don't know how strong a scrummager um, Dan Sheehan is. It's, he's a little bit untested at that top level. Ronan Keller is a very strong scrummager. Um, he's probably... Um, a little bit more physical in the tight exchanges than she and or um, Ron and Keller is than Sheehan, but he's an incredible athlete. Um, you know, he reminds you of Woody, doesn't he? The way he can run with the ball and the way he can, you know, break, go past defenders, make line breaks incredibly quick. So, he's a footballing hooker who, we're not 100% how, you know, what level he's at uh, at the tight stuff, you know, um, but, but, I would say that will come in time. Very physical player as well around the field and puts an incredible amount of tackles. So to have that abrasiveness and and flexibility in a hooker is is brilliant. So I've been incredibly impressed with him. Um, He's so dynamic.
4: That aspect of the game, it does seem to be just taking a little while at, at test level for Ronan Kelleher, and it'll probably be the same for Dan Sheehan in terms of of nailing at the line out throw. How long does that take? How, how or, or is there a, a development here that's going on that these guys are just a little bit behind schedule in, in that aspect? Because obviously, from open play, they look sensational.
1: It takes a little bit of time. On, it's like um, you, you, you. you you build on their their their, their natural ability and strengths. Like Roland Keller is very, very dynamic around the field as well and makes so many line breaks for Leinster and for Ireland. Um, but, you know, for me, it's, it's you know, having a five-meter scrum, to defending your own line, to defending a lead in, in a big six international match, making sure that your scrum is spot on and that, that you're really strong uh, in, in, in what you're doing there is... is is. That's the fundamental. That's the most important thing, um, and it takes a little bit of time. They're they're both very big physical hookers. Um, it does take a little bit of time. The lineout throwing is just—it's like a goal kicker. You continuously work on that. Um, the opposition or you know, the strategy they uh, they adopt around around defending your lineout. Some some international teams are, are better than others at, at attacking your lineout and stuff like that. And sometimes it's just. Tiny millimeters of of, of a difference, or, or getting the timing of the throw right. So um, sometimes you have to learn that as as you go along and gain experience. Because when you come up to the big games, the big international games, um, those margins are very small, and you've got to get them right. So um, it's I. There's no suggestion that these guys are not are not good at that. It just you get better. The more physical you you you, you realize that the tempo and the pace of international rugby and the pressure you're under and and the physicality that he would have seen Dan Sheehan himself and experience in Paris is different level than he would have played a URC game for for Leinster where he's very dominant on the front foot making lots of carries uh, swatting fellas off and scoring tries so there's a little bit of a difference there but it does come as you. Get stronger, develop more and and work with your forwards coaches and, and, and your props around you as well.
3: Uh, England-Wales uh, tomorrow. Quinny, what's your expectation from that? Hard to know what a Wales team turns up, but what do you think? Of?
1: It, is, it is hard to know. Um, I think England obviously are, are in better shape now with Courtney Laws back to Lange back. Um, it makes them stronger. Um, they're still a little bit... He's still a bit unsure about where they're at. Um, given I thought they were really poor in Scotland, um, for a team that had a lot of a lot of possession, um, obviously ended up losing that game. And it's hard to judge them in Italy. You know, if if Ireland were over in, 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 in Rome and won, you know, by t- 35, thirty five, forty points as England did, um it was kind of sloppy at times. Um it's just hard to judge and know where they're at. I think they'll probably uh, Wales obviously responded um, and had a real dogged kind of a determined performance against Scotland in, in Cardiff and were, were a lot better they're still short of a lot of experience and a lot of injuries so it's a hard one to call I don't know I, I, I think England will just be too strong for Wales there and, and probably overpower them and, um, and and beat them in Twickenham. Yeah.
3: Alright we'll leave it there enjoy the games over the weekend Cheers, lads. Alan Quinlan, host of The Red 78, joining us to uh, preview the weekend's action. It is 14 minutes past nine. It's Friday morning. You're watching OTB AM, and uh, we still have a live crappy quiz upcoming, by the way. And here is what's on OTB Sports Radio over the course of the day. Uh, Half past ten this morning, the football kickoff coming your way. David Connolly is going to join the lads to mark a card ahead of the weekend's games. Uh, Joe in conversation with Ruby Walsh is our OTB Gold at one o'clock. Friday night racing from three... Uh, this afternoon at uh, 4 o'clock it's Matt Rushmore and killed errors in the spotlight and uh, from six this evening OTB gold Irish football special with uh, Given McIntyre Quinn and Caban and then off the ball live on the radio from seven tonight right the crappy quiz is going to be next on OTB and before all of that episode one of the hurling pod with James Skell Paul Murphy and host Willow O'Callaghan dropped this week into the OTB podcast network you can find it by searching for the hurling pod or in the OTB GA feed you're going to get the new, ep- uh, new episode every Monday evening throughout the year here's a little bit of a clip of what you can expect Paul Murphy and why Wexford are looking so fresh under Dara Egan.
11: It's two huge wins for them. So for me, what I see with Wexford at the moment is like Davy is very, I suppose, charismatic manager, is motivational. But a lot of it sometimes seems to come from Davy as well, which I'm sure can get tiring for himself and for players. You know how often, let's say, I think it was up in Solid Hill a few years ago, James. That you know, Davey got sent off and went up to the stand. But it was kind of at a crucial time in the game. So Davey would do these things. And even up in Antrim, I think he did the same thing, got sent off again, which in Antrim didn't make a difference because he just had to step behind the rail and he was still talking to the players. So like, it seemed to be a lot of it was coming from Davey. Whereas with Dara Egan, like, he, he seems to be very composed on the line, which is a huge thing. And a lot of it is now coming from players. Like they're great. They seem to be a very motivated bunch of players anyway. And no doubt are carrying over a lot of the stuff they learned with Davey. But I thought it might be tough for Dara Egan um, stepping into a role in Davy because it's not easy, I suppose, follow Davy fits into a job, I'd imagine, because, you know, as, as we would see, legacy from other inter that have had Davy, it's 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 tough to fill that void. Whatever he does, whatever he does in the job, it can be tough to fill it. But Dara Egan seems to have stepped in there and fair play to him, has put his own mark on it. And it just seems to be coming from the players. He's organised the players, they know their job. And I kind of maybe expected to see a bit more of a tired from this year after the last few years of you know putting in really good performances and playing a really high tempo game but they seem to be even fresher again so at the moment they're in a great place in many ways it's for Gary Egan you know it's, it's not a simple thing to do and I'm looking forward to seeing more from Wexford because they are playing a good brand of hurl
0: Chris Wat oh you're kidding September
3: Kyle Lafferty are you no! joking me is that right I know is that right uh, anybody else Leash <laughs> Like, that is one of the most stupid questions. Darius Fasel? Seriously, you all need to just stay quiet. This is
0: getting
5: really annoying doing this quiz. What is going on here? <laughs>
4: <laughs> welcome, 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 welcome along to the shadiest segment on Irish radio. It's a scintillating, it's a stupefying, it's a spendido crappy quiz. Every Friday, we put th- three of them off the ball up against one another in a no-holes-barred quiz of sporting factoids at the end of the week. Allow me to welcome today's contestants. Uh, our first contestant is a dedicated Kildare fan who loves his county and is there through thick and thin, which means he will definitely consider going to a championship match if he hears that they end up beating Dublin this weekend. Give it up for a shock jock, Geragil Oh,
10: hello. Hello. How are you? You're very welcome. Well, I was I was forced through economic necessity to leave my county and I'm now marooned, isolated in uh, in. A foreign coal land. It is a tough time for him indeed. Uh, our next contestant has
4: ditched the slacks and bought himself some new boot cut jeans. He threw all his wine out and exclusively only drinks pint bottles of Bulmers. You see he's a hurling man now and he only dances to the tune of Las Vegas and the hills of Donegal. Give it up for Adrian Who's Your Daddy Barry?
3: This week I put out my back, pulled my calf strained my hamstring and have sore toes after the hurling. It's uh it's not great I'm also slightly traumatised Ger has just flashed his Wordle and it's it's left me not in a great state wow that's uh, that sounds it's not
4: good etiquette I have to say pretty filthy uh, our last contestant today doesn't get out of bed until the sun sets he doesn't speak until after the watershed he is the host of a saucy new late night phone in show where anything goes over 18s <laughs> only calls cost 2 euro and 30 cent give it up for late night LOI's own Nathan Nate Dog Murphy what are you wearing Nathan Whatever you want, Jerry. Jesus.
3: Time to kill the feed. (laughs) Listen,
0: listen, I'm uh, I'm, I'm glad to be back after the last couple of weeks. Uh, This quiz has turned into an absolute pity party from Barry and Gilroy, two old guys, in an inexorable slide into irrelevance that the public are being put through every Friday morning. And now, now, as I'm leaving the office last night, I hear rumors of a return for angry producer Mick. Angry producer Mick. On his way back to the crappy quiz, that's which happening. is essentially Wayne Rooney returning to Everton, a waste of an expensive waste of everybody's time. Oh, so.
10: that makes that's us that makes us Everton, is he? Yeah, that's like that's fine. Well, we'd be happy to be Everton at this
4: day, wouldn't uh, we? we? We welcome you know. people with open arms back to this company of course.
0: You've let yourself down badly over the last couple of weeks. Again, on I, I I I'll give Barry and Gilroy a pass. As I say, two old guys fighting against the dying of the light. But you need to stand up for yourself at some stage. In what In what sense? Last week's final round was an embarrassment. How? It was a low point, even for you. How? You were bullied, bullied into submission and changing the rules. No, I was not. No, yeah. upholding yeah. the rules. Yeah, Nathan, you,
10: you did change the rules.
0: Upholding I the rules. I, I asked, I extended an olive branch. So can branch we just be clear O'Cannon. from the start? Can we be clear from the start? Because otherwise, the first four is, rounds is are a complete waste My of time. The first four rounds are a waste of time. Is The final word. round...
10: V I R U D. Is that a word?
3: I'm not, I'm not sure. Actually, uh, Jared, Jared,
0: this is. You see, this is the sort of thing, Jared, that actually will get you cancelled. Like, honestly, nobody wants this, to hear you doing. This continuous flashing of the word
3: is not working for anybody. I, it's
0: uh, On how will the final round work? Will the person with the most amount of points be going first?
10: No, it should. It should. I mean Yes Yes We'll do, yes.
0: go no, to okay no. like, I
4: mean you. you know what It was okay We know was like You know what I'll, I'll go second And it was fine but He shouldn't and have gone second He should he have gone long. last it
10: doesn't He should have gone
0: but last why? You're punishing You're punishing Oh you're no. trying to keep
10: it alive This is like it's It's how the American sports system Is not broken Because they don't have Clowns like you lobbying on your own behalf. This you're is, this rewarding is, this
0: stupidity. Is, this is, this is excellent that we are,
10: we're doing this the weekend of Congress where it's all about pork barrel politics and what can I get from me. It's, it's selfish, egotistical, whatever else that uh, Rory said about Phil Mickelson. That is you. You are Phil Mickelson in this instance. I'm just trying to make this as exciting and interesting and invested. Uh, poor Adrian gets left behind in so many of these, these shows that we actually need to grandfather him in yeah.
3: to some sort of relevance in the final <laughs> round and you're ruining it. I think Owen's doing a fine job, by the way, I should say. I think he's upholding the rules... Try it one more time, but right properly from the end, right? No, no, no we're not no. going to... no Here's what
0: you want to do. If you want to do that, just do it that everybody gets one question, one after another, constantly in the final round. But you, do, do, but you do, cannot have four rounds and then let the person... In the American playoff system, they don't have a team that's 1-15 and say, you know what, you get, lad, you, you can do, go you into get, the playoff. For the next draft. year. You for next draft. year. Yeah, and that's, that's our version of the draft pick. There's no next year of this. Our version of the like, draft pick is, we somehow let Adrian come back week after week.
3: It's contra I'm contractually obliged to be here, Nick.
0: And also another thing, while I'm on about it. So this guy, whom created a website with the results of the crappy quiz, have we had? Have we had this guy on to? Have we called him to account yet? No, we haven't. So somehow, Adrian Barry comes last in 2021, 2019, 2018. Yet magically, in 2020, he won 15 quizzes. Yeah. I remember but I can't that trust was it 13 this in a row I that time? You can trust he the went on a, He went on a great run. run. Yeah, He was champ champ champ, 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 champ,
10: champ. Started yeah. to do some research. It never
0: happened. You've remember, all
10: that.
3: Remember it was predictable? Uh, well, in was, was it, it that suddenly we remember. were
0: all working from home you, and Adrian Barry had the If
3: the last five minutes of all I can hear in my head, On I don't know about you, and by the way, you're doing a fine job and you should stick to your principles. I think you're a fine presenter. You're a fine questioner. You're excellent at your job. This and is not a good endorsement. The last five minutes of what's going on here, I don't know about you, but I'm feeling slightly sort of. Everybody mm. at home is uh,
4: is delighted to have Nathan back, Oof, and uh, I, I am too, Nathan. He's mm. allowed a to really get off his chest, that uh, man. Really nice to have you here, as ever. VWR is that a word? It is, yeah. But ah, uh, seriously, come on, of can teams, we and like a slip and slide seriously? A tribute, you've the rapid just fire ruined
3: my everybody's everybody's worldly no, experience is
4: talking over each other is the best form of radio Words. podcast the crappy quiz on otbsports.com or on the OTB Sports app and if you're watching on YouTube make sure to click the thumbs up I'm sure those thumbs are rolling in please send any questions you have via postcard to crappy quiz quiz master off the ball towers Mark House Dublin 2 uh, it has been a vintage like if,
3: if I'm on the laptop and I'm doing as bad as I am do you think that I mean, you know, looking <laughs> stuff up. Is that
4: a. That's what someone who is doing badly. <laughs> by exactly. A, yeah, Adrian Barry's school for people right, who no. can't use computers does. Yeah.
3: How well you're looking this morning? You're looking.
4: <laughs> uh, thank you, Adrian. Actually, we might, we might have a look at those rules later on. It's been a, a vintage, vintage week for listener questions. Round one is the boring questions round. Never multiple choice. And these questions were sent, sent in by Rory Dillon on Twitter, who referred to himself as a bored teacher on midterm. Jer. Chloe Mustaki made headlines this week as she overcame serious illness to make her Irish debut. What club does she play for? Melbourne. Correct. Sure is off the mark. Adrian. What club did NUIG manager and former Mayo player Morris, Morris uh, Sheridan captain to a club All-Ireland? Go, give me the question again. Easy to say. Morris. Uh, what club did NUIG manager and former Mayo player Morris Sheridan captain to
3: a club All-Ireland? Where's Morris Sheridan from is really what you know. I might not be taking the question to be fair. No, the, technically the question is the one I just asked. <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> Knock
0: more. No. Nathan, surely you know. I was going to say was it, no. it was a UCD or something? Casamar.
4: It was Salt Hill, Knock, Oh, right. Ah. Uh, Nathan, uh, yeah. that was a really hard question. Arguably, Ireland's most embarrassing loss in recent memory is away to Italy in 2013, when the game is most well remembered for Peter O'Mahony ending up on the wing. Ireland lost three backs to injury. Can you name two of them? Keith Earls. That's one. Give me one more.
3: Name two Ireland backs basically like Well It's multiple choices, Jared would say.
0: I know, it is. It is. It's not. So
4: well, Rhino Driscoll. No, that's not correct. Uh, Luke Marshall and Luke Fitzgerald were the
3: other two. who my one was a standout stinker. That was tricky.
4: Round two is the Italian sports people round. In the build-up to Sunday's Six Nations game, Greg Haw, another Twitter user, has been in touch to send in the following questions. Ger, four Italian managers have won the Premier League. Can you name three of them?
10: Uh, four Italian managers have won the uh, Premier League. So we're going to go Conte, we're going to go Claudio Ranieri, And we are going to also say, who else won the Premier League? Uh, An Italian manager.
4: Come on, I'm going to need an answer here.
10: Uh, Di Matteo didn't. uh, Final answer? No, hang on, give me a second. Come on, it's like you've given everybody, I I could have asked for the repeat of the question. Repeat the question for me, please.
5: Oh, (laughs) come on, give me the answer. (laughs)
10: Uh, (laughs) Oh, wow. Come on Roberto Mancini That's Boom incorrect.
4: Adrian Who was o- the fourth? Uh, Ancelotti oh. Adrian only one player has Italian won Big Sam How did I forget him? Only one Italian player Has won the Premier League Adrian who is it? What? Only one Italian player Has won the Premier League Who is the player?
10: Gianluca Vialli Roberto Mancini Ah oh, stop Pietro Viecawad Attilio Lombardo Roberto Baggio Dino Baggio his brother
4: any of those Adrian to your fancy
10: come on how much longer is he going to get TikTok, TikTok. yeah no,
0: Adrian, oh, no, I have like, oh, no idea hang on hang on
4: can you the question you're,
10: you're, you're, you're ruining our morning oh. come on. you're ruining oh. it you're ruining the, the whole an actual clock wanna, might be no, like, a, like, six, ten years into this thing an actual clock on this myself. might be an idea
4: Di Matteo Di Matteo is not correct hey. Mario Balotelli, Mario Balotelli. Oh, Jesus. and Nathan can you name the all time top Italian goal scorer in the Premier League
10: these are good questions
4: it is shout out great call thank you hee haw he, I'd say he's never heard that in his
10: life there you go but the repetition is the joke that's why it's funny yes it, you're right <laughs> tearing the arse out of something is uh
3: wow Far oh now. Nathan, Resident TikTok, Premier TikTok, League. come on Expert is I'm struggling. trying to go through the various Oh I forgot it was a question <laughs> Now question. he's, awake. Now come he's on, awake Come on
0: oh, What is? I don't even remember
4: what the question was It's so long ago Who is a top Italian goal scorer come in Come on Olympic? Come on, give us an answer for God's sake Gianfranco Zola. No, he's second Di Matteo No De Canio Wow Proud Di Canio scored 66 It doesn't seem like uh, Canio is an option there Zola for him. scored 59
3: He's a Premier League expert
10: Mark of the devil Tell me what did um, And what did Balotelli score?
4: Uh, what did Balotelli score? Uh, if I scroll down through The list of names Balotelli is Nowhere near that obviously Nowhere near that actually yeah. Oh no sorry he 21 goals He's in 6th place Sorry uh, He's behind Graziano Pelle, uh, Fabrizio Ravinelli Carbone And Zola Make up the rest Carbone. of them Carbone Wow Okay, so the next round is the Pass the Parcel of Doom round. You know how this works. I've been told that the intro to this round is too long. If you don't know how this works, go back to an old quiz. Um, Ger, you're up first. Uh, these questions are, are also sent to by new our board in there? Uh, midterm. It was you who was complaining. Uh, by our board midterm teacher, uh, Rory Dillon. Uh, thank you, Rory, for basically doing my entire job this week. Ger, can you name GEA uh, County Ground full names, including sponsors, and places, sorry, full names including sponsors is what I want. Places are not accepted, so you can't give me Turles or Cronus. need full stadium name including sponsor, please. St. Connell's Park, Newbridge. Correct. Uh, next up is Adrian. Um,
3: is, is, is it... Uh, I've, I've honed in on one specifically here, unfortunately. <laughs> like, Come on, I time up. I'm going to go with, is it... T- t- time off. T- T-E-G, Cusack Park. D.G. Cusick Park is correct.
0: Parnell Park. Uh, Correct.
10: I I mean, are we letting that? Are we letting Parnell Park? Yes. Okay, Kingsman
4: Breffney Park. Kingsman Breffney Park is correct.
3: Adrian. Has it...
7: it McHale
3: Park? What's the sponsor? Elverys McHale Park. No. Whoa,
0: whoa, whoa, whoa. Yeah, if he just says Mikhail Park, he's wrong. You don't go tell me the sponsor. Oh yeah, no but I don't Some, ca- the,
3: the some grounds have a sponsor, Elvry's some like grounds don't have a sponsor. It, does it, matter. it doesn't matter,
4: it not Elvry, is wrong anyway. Um you're you're out. <laughs> Nathan. <laughs> Pierce Stadium. Pierce Stadium is correct, Chair. Sure. Uh Cusick Park and Ennis. <laughs> uh that is correct. Is that not sponsored? No, I don't think uh-huh. so. Not not according to this list in front of me. Sure. Uh, Nathan. Hyde Park. Hyde Park is correct. Yeah, no sponsor on that. Sure. Um
10: I'm gonna say Netwatch Dr. Cullen. Isn't it, it is correct?
4: Still Netwatch. Good show. This is a, a brave um it's a brave route to send in, I must I must say, uh, Rory, because uh a lot of double checking I'm sure has gone into these questions. Um Fitzgerald Stadium. Fitzgerald Stadium is correct. Sure.
10: Uh, did Tipperary just fucking announce oh pardon me <laughs> did they just announce a sponsor I don't know did they uh, ok so I'm going to say uh, it is uh currently it should be Casement Park but it's actually Corrigan Park in Belfast I'll
4: accept that yeah Nathan
10: Simple, Simple Stadium, Stadium.
4: Semple Stadium is correct.
10: Semple has a sponsor. They just announced, they just announced naming rights. They just announced they didn't. it. Didn't they? they I'll double no. check
3: that, Joe. You carry on there. They didn't.
10: Uh, I'm going to say Porky Queeve.
4: FBD Insurance secures naming rights for Semple Stadium as a headline.
10: Boom! He's what? out! You out, sucker! What? That's F- 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 all F- you D- got?
4: There's actually a photograph here of FBD Semple Stadium. I was I sure was- or not. from, when? Going, nah, it from when it doesn't matter it doesn't matter it's been announced January
0: 2022 <laughs> <laughs> but it hasn't started yet I
3: haven't heard anybody the look I'm trying to defend the yeah. intervention
4: <laughs> I, I, I will say on the sheet of questions uh, our listener did well, not include that FBD no, that's no, all that matters no, no. 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 correctness is,
0: is no. obviously no. what correctness no, is important. FBD you need to have a word with somebody nobody calling that FPD.
1: simple stadium
4: do you know what I'm going to do I'm going to stand up for myself here Nathan and I'm going to overrule you on this one and get the point
10: good man Owen not changing the rules midstream. There's the did we did we do Kingsman and Brefley Park? Do we do that one? We did, yeah. No. Oh sorry, the ones that you didn't get.
4: O'Murrah Park, O'Connor Park, Glennon Brothers Pierce Park, Ockram County Ground, Nolan Park, Park Talton, Chadwick's Wexford Park, IT Limerick, Gaelic Grounds, Parky Quive, Fraher Fields, Park Esler, Brewster Park, McCool Park, Healy Park, Athletic Grounds, Celtic Park, Saint Tiernicks Park, Hastings McHale Park. Park, Sean McDiarmidale, Markovich Park. Park, McGovern Park, Roy Slip and Gaelic Park. The Athletic Grounds? I said that.
10: And are they sponsored? No. And so, sorry, would you have taken Parky Creeve? That was my next one. It's not Parky Rin. I would have taken Parky Creeve. yeah. Oh, hey, grand. Okay, so I was, I was good to go anyway. Sure, you were at the end of your tether there, Nathan. Uh, I certainly was not. I wouldn't have even gone for
0: Semple Stadium when you put it straight in my head, and I wanted to. Oh, make look you look at like
3: that. an idiot. <laughs> 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 not not yeah. hard. Sorry. That works out.
0: They need to put out a press release or something about this FBD <laughs> Semple Stadium. Uh, Adrian,
4: can you name a Formula One constructor for 2022? Oh, God.
3: Um, Mercedes. Correct. Nathan.
4: Red Bull. Correct, sure. Ferrari. Correct. Shit, Adrian.
3: <laughs> <laughs> um, um, Watch your man's name? Um, the American guy. Uh, big chap who's on. team thirty-three.
10: Come on. Um, In first season one, he's just trying to think back to the opening scene of season one. The rich guy. He's a billionaire. What is his name? Um, Come on, let's go. Renault. What?
4: Renault?
0: No, they're gone. That's not the name of the team Their beautiful blue cars Aren't there anymore I agree a Terrible thing Nathan um,
7: oh, Alpine man's name.
4: Alpine is That's a new Renault isn't it or, But it's, it's correct anyway uh, Ger Williams Williams Still there Nathan
0: um, Toro Rosso
4: No
3: What No <laughs> <laughs> no it's not of this look he's looking this is a bit like guy uh, feet stadium what? Something no. has happened, and I haven't been up sure, to the point, the ones that you didn't get. What was your <laughs> man's name? Kroll. Kroll. Potass? Potass? Stroll.
4: Stroll. Potass is, uh, is, is a driver. Stroll. <laughs> Stroll. 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 Yeah, the, yeah,
3: the, uh, I gotta look smart after the question is asked,
4: Jerry. Uh, yeah. What did I go <laughs> to the week? You're 4 0 0 up here. What was your man's name? The
3: American guy, the big American guy.
4: Lance. Stroll. Lawrence Stroll. Would BMW. No. McLaren, Alfatari. Aston Martin Alfa Romeo And Haas Were the ones you didn't get Haas, yeah. uh, Nathan Lead us off here Irish Six Nations try scores Versus Italy 2011 to 2021 Can you name any This is a long
0: list Let's go quickly uh, Jesus um, 2011 Come on 20, 20. Yeah Colin. Yeah come on Um. Jesus pass. Rob Kearney Rob
4: Kearney Is he there uh, What He's not. I don't think he is.
10: <laughs> <laughs> no, Rob Hardy,
4: you're out. Sorry, these aren't. I have been put these in alphabetical order, so it might take me a second extra. Do control F. Keith Earls. Keith Earls is correct. Um, Robbie Henshaw. Robbie Henshaw is correct. Jer. Brian O'Driscoll. Brian O'Driscoll is correct. Uh, Jamie Heeslip. Jamie Heaslip is correct.
0: Uh, Stockdale. Um, Sexton Rob Kearney come on Sexton's correct you have one job I suppose you didn't score a try for about eight years so that's probably effective <laughs> will you shut up <laughs> sure come on
10: uh, well, back to me sorry uh, I, I forgot that Nathan was out uh, I am going to say I am going to say uh, Conway Conway is not
0: correct. Fox. Boom! Hugo Keenan.
4: Hugo Keenan would have been correct. The ones you didn't get: to, Tommy Bow, Andrew Trimble, Tom Court, Keen Healy, Fergus McFadden, Sean Cronin, uh, Jack McGrath, Connor Murray, Tommy O'Donnell, CJ Standard, Jared Payne, Ian Madigan, Craig Gilroy, Gary Ringrose, Connor Murray, Bundy Aki, Rory Best, Quinn Rue, Will Connors, Hugo Keenan, Dave Heffernan which means Adrian, gets off the board. We enter boom, boom. into round four, the fun-free magic number round. Contestants get three points, getting the number exactly right. If no one manages that, the nearest contestant who doesn't go bust gets two points. The second closest gets one point. I'm going to say to only accept the answer that's written on your paper. I'm also going to have to ask for your pens once the music ends. So if you don't mind, give us the following number. The position Shane Long moved into in Ireland's all-time Premier League top scorers after scoring last weekend. Plus, the number of points Mayo defeated Dublin by at the weekend, plus, the number of tries scored versus Italy for Ireland in last year's Six Nations. Plus the age of Dan Sheehan in years. Your 30 seconds expire when Snatcher sings Bright Shiny Beads. So, where is Shane Long now in the all-time top Premier League Irish goal scorers after last weekend? How many points did Mayo beat Dublin by? The number of tries Ireland scored against Italy in last Six Nations. And what age is Dan Sheehan? Again, another great round sent in by Rory Dillon on Twitter. Bubble, bangles, hear how sure, going to come down early. So does Adrian. Well, he's just me up on his, like, cheap laptop. My right, fingers down. <laughs> Nathan? 38. 38? Jerk. 6. 36? I've gone for 32. 32. The answer is
3: 37. Oh, <laughs> Happy days.
0: I changed at I changed
3: it last minute. Oh, me too I, I I rounded down After my experience Of last week
0: Shane Long, my, my numbers add up To 37
3: And I was like I bet it. no Nathan now to Tell you
0: how
4: great he
3: is as he, as he overshot the runway
4: Shane Long moved into Third place At Third, third. Yeah. yeah. Mayo defeated Dublin By five points Yeah yeah. Ireland scored six tries oh, oh, five. Yeah And Sheena oh, 23
0: 22 I, Look Look I've all the right answers Ah yeah, look
3: it's Genius
10: yeah. Yeah. Special prize for that Yeah oh, participants genius. medal For you Nathan Well done
4: yeah. Idiot. Our winner tonight will be decided in the round that separates the men from the boys, the Giants from the sleeping Giants. It's an old team in particular, ridiculously easy, rapid fire round. So the, the guy who's last goes first, that's what you said? Exactly. The score you get in this round will be added to your score in the previous that? round. It will be forty. Gerr, se- yeah. what do you reckon? No, not a
10: chance. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, it was, it was decided at the start.
4: you're. Is that young last?
3: Today. What? Is your man
10: last? Yeah, yeah by a He's got zero points.
3: It's uh, oh, oh, wow. It's Jeris,
10: Jeris six points.
4: Adrian, two points. Nathan, b- nil. Six? Did you say six? Gerr's and six.
10: Welcome to the quiz. It started half an hour ago. Oh. Well
4: done. Wow. Um, so, Joe, would you like to relinquish
3: top spot and give it to Nathan Murphy? I, w- I would not. No, I Adrian, decided. would you like
4: to relinquish second spot? For, <clears throat> if
3: I finish in second, <laughs> I'll, I'll bite your hand off of that right now. Okay. Joe, are you ready? I am
4: absolutely ready. Your 40 seconds starts now. According to Rory McIlroy, Phil Mickelson's comments in Saudi were naive, selfish, egotistical and arrogant, ignorant or annoying? Arrogant. No, ignorant. How many seasons has Bill Belichick been head coach of the Patriots? 20 or 22. 20 no 22 god. who was the last Dublin manager before Desi Farrell from Nefina Nathan oh god <laughs> uh, Pillar Caffrey yes. where is Congress taking place this weekend Ger Croke Park no the Airdome who was the Antrim senior hurling manager Adrian Sean Gassidy no Darren Gleeson <laughs> what Premier League team does Hugo Keenan Luke McGrath and James Ryan support Nathan ah uh, Man United God. Chelsea <laughs> who Mauder <laughs> calls Heffernan's parents calls Ger oh stop uh, Marie
10: no Marion oh. <laughs> Ma- Rachel <laughs> come on give me the questions <laughs>
4: give
3: me the questions it doesn't matter
4: you're
7: all, come on, <laughs> on.
3: you're all Sky was winning shoot <laughs> distance sure you
4: weren't you weren't come sure on how do you get Rachel back more uh, from Kildare no uh, it's it's you're,
10: now you're minus one temporary it not a single
4: answer correct in the rapid fire round Eight <laughs> incorrect oh, answers Lord. This was an absolute shambles Chirping. Sorry, the <laughs> questions
0: were a disgrace Those questions and even if you're one like, You can't have multiple choice questions That in the first question
3: Sorry, that, that first question that took, first question was, was, took eight seconds I, 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 Without exaggeration, no, no, no. I don't mind that <laughs> I've finished second year. I've no problem with that I I have that, have that, issue, issue, that is the most outrageous question that has ever been included thank you in once again to Rory Dillon
4: on Twitter yep. for sending
3: them in we appreciate your questions that was, here that the was rapid, uh, rapid, rapid fire rapid sure rapid goes rapid to six points Adrian
4: questions. finishes on minus two and Nathan finishes on uh, uh, sorry Adrian's on minus one Nathan finishes on minus two which is uh, an extraordinary uh, record uh, a new record congratulations oh, minus actually, two
3: finishing on minus numbers let's see your workings again there for the uh, for yeah, the yeah special, up special I'm right,
0: the only one who got them all right oh yeah you
3: know, apart from obviously fabulous. one of them participation
4: congratulations uh, Jerk congratulations uh, OTB AM has been brought to you uh, every morning this week by Gillette shambles good morning start only with Gillette
0: here don't send in any more questions <laughs> oh yeah
10: keep sending <laughs> in the questions we love them uh, your best sure, face forward and new is, and
4: improved razors uh, we'll be back <laughs> Monday morning on <laughs> that <past> seven
3: OTB <laughs>
1: With Gillette, put your best face forward with our new and improved razors.